Traveling to consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. What is up, Conscious Monkeys? I almost had a little bit of a delay there as we're getting started, but... (laughs) We're going to push through it. Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I am your host, Clayton Kuteri. Today's guest is a multi-instrumentalist starting at a very young age. He is now a DJ and a producer, and you might be curious as to what a DJ is doing on this show, but the hint of why he is on this show is in the name of his record label, which is called High Vibe Records. So get ready for this podcast where we're going to try to mix the musical vibrations with the etheric vibrations. So Conscious Monkeys, welcome to the show, Aquanimous. Aquanimous, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And hey, everybody, it's it's an honor to be here. I'm grateful you're here and to give people a little bit of a, how should we phrase this? a background on how I came to how this came to be, how this came to fruition. I was reading about how music and the words within music get, you know, seep into our subconscious mind with the rhythm, the pattern, the the voice, the words. And it really helped me to take a look at the music I was listening to. And it's safe to say that a lot of the words that were being said were not of the highest vibration that I was looking for. And it led me to kind of start compiling what I called like a manifestation playlist where it was things or songs that were like more upbeat, more high vibes, if you will. And it's funny because after like two or three of them, after putting in about four or five audio songs, Spotify starts recommending songs to you. And it every like probably they recommend about five at a time. And I think three or four of them were always by this guy named Aquanimous. And so <laughs> his playlist is just loaded with all these things by Aquanimous. And it hit me like, I need to start kind of branching out, finding more people in like the spirituality community. And it hit me. It was like, you should probably start looking into some musicians or DJs or producers who are connected to this idea of spirituality and bring them on the show. And so, and so here we are. I love it. Yeah. And, and Spotify actually, um, recently, like within the last year and a half created their own genre called high vibe, which I would assume is based on our label. I don't know, but the reason why I know this is because, um, if you ever see people, they'll like post their pie charts on social media and like their, their Spotify pie charts of like who they listen to and the genres and it's just automatic. And so it'll say what your like top listened genres are. And um, the ones who have the top, the ones who listen to me and other artists in my label have their top genre as high vibe. So I would assume that there's some connection there. I don't know for for certain, but. Um, that's really fast. Sure, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's dope too. I mean, I, I'm guessing the label came out before Spotify made this switch. Oh yeah, we, the label we we started in 2017 but um we really didn't get going like re- you know like legitimately until 2020 during the pandemic and um yeah i i i would i mean before they had you know there was this genre called like shamanic 
something and they don't really have that anymore. So I think what they did is they might've just switched it. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know is the truth. It's just perceptions. Before we start the show, I must warn you that there are ads throughout this podcast episode. If you'd like to get the show ad-free, you're able to get access by downloading the official Traveling to Consciousness app. It's available in the Google Play Store and iOS Store. I will note that there is a small monthly fee associated to get these episodes ad-free. And this is an important part. Make sure that any purchases you make, you make on the website, travelingtoconsciousness.com, because products are going to be 15 to 30% more expensive through the app. Because, you know, the big boys got to get their own check. Even though you're purchasing this stuff through the website, you will still be able to enjoy all this content on the app. Now, if you prefer the free route, you can get a free login on the app and that will grant you access to challenges and notifications when new episodes arrive, discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. All of this just by searching Traveling to Consciousness in your phone's app store. Or click the link below. Now, Conscious Monkeys, let's get the show started. Well, to, to wrap up on the Spotify thing, it is a good timing for it because when this pl- when this uh, podcast is going to be releasing, we'll probably be right around when you see all those Spotify memes kind of popping right. up or Spotify's telling you what music you were listening to. Right. So <laughs> that's a little bit of nice divine intervention right there. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact about those is people think that it's for the whole year, but it's actually just from January till the end of October. Oh, so it's only, it's only 10 months. So it's, it's, you know, artists will post, Oh, I got 50 million streams this year, but they really got 50 million streams in 10 months. Oh, not that so they don't even that much. Do they but, not, but do they not count December and November? Not for those graphics. They do for everything else, but you know, the, okay. those graphics, I think come out in December. Yes. And so somewhere around there. Right. And so they get the data for up until the end of October. To my knowledge, this is to my knowledge. Okay. So I can't just sit there and just spam, listen to Equanimous right now. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. I don't think, the, I don't think I'll help the numbers. <laughs> no, if you want to, if you want to alter how your personal graphic looks, I don't, I think it's too late for that. <laughs> we've already, we've already passed the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool, man. But, but it was dope. I was looking up your Wikipedia. I guess that's kind of like a pseudo Wikipedia, but you, I it seems Wikipedia? like it was, I uh, I don't know if it's actually Wikipedia per se, but it was right. like this but it's like something like wiki. This. Yeah. Right. That's great. It, I didn't even know. Uh, that. I thought it was great too. I was like, oh, this is helping me out as a, as a yeah. podcaster. <laughs> right. But it was cool. So I guess let's, I mean, everything on this could be fake. So who knows, but I'm going to act as if it's real and you yeah. tell me if it's fake. <laughs> uh, but the one thing that I was saying is that you were a multi-instrumentalist that you, it seems like you were playing the drums. Let me see if I remember the piano, saxophone, and something else before middle school. So is, is that true or is that? That's all true. Yeah. I grew up, you know, I was the baby, like a YouTube baby before there was YouTube. So there's videos of me as like a two-year-old playing drum sets and, you know, hell yeah. Like lots of different instruments. Definitely started on the drums, self-taught, um, moved over to piano for a little bit took lessons for probably like six months when I was a kid. Um, wasn't the biggest fan, did not know, couldn't read music. I still can't read music. I don't even know how to do that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of like self-taught myself. And then when I was like probably 12, I learned, um, I started taking guitar lessons and I did guitar lessons on and off. Um, 
because you, you know i didn't have to read music when i was playing guitar and then yeah i've just you know i took sax lessons for a little bit too i i can play um i would say i can very proficiently play the piano and the drums um i'd probably give myself like you know in the nines for piano and drums for guitars probably like in the in the eights um out of 10 same with same with bass yeah out of 10 yeah same with bass and then um saxophone like a four or five you know and i can play other i can play like pretty much any instrument i pick up the flute's hard and the violin's hard but the other ones i can i can i've like played clarinet before and it's just like it feels to me like when you understand the language of music and instruments as long as your like fingers and your mouth or whatever you're using can do the things it's kind of all the same for the most part you know it's just about like practice and so for me i'm a drummer so that you know those are my you know the two most popular percussive instruments are the piano which is a percussion percussion instrument and the drums you know and i know the piano has strings but it's still a percussion instrument because you're you're it's percussive um so those that's kind of like my go-to's right now is piano drums that's pretty cool and i would love to break down this language of music you're talking about yeah because i know an interesting parallel to your story is that whenever uh, COVID hit for me. I knew there was something that I should put my energy into. And so I tried to teach myself the guitar. I did that for a couple of months and then it f- fell off. But then I jumped into DJing for like house music. Nice. Dude, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah. of fun. What's your DJ name? Uh, <laughs> it was more please, but I wasn't crazy about it. And I was kind of like, ah, this doesn't feel right. So right. if I ever get back into it, it'll probably just be Clayton. It'll probably just be my nice. name. DJ yeah, consciousness. So DJ, <laughs> con- oh damn! You heard it here first. <laughs> it's high, it's high vibe records uh, signing people. <laughs> yeah, but we do. I mean, we sign. We actually sign songs, so we okay. don't sign artists. We sign songs, so that's kind of our model. Well, so then in in that, I guess we're kind of veering off what I was originally going to ask. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but in that, but in that, in that frame, do you kind of like look at certain artists that you're looking to bring on, and then would you almost I don't want to say commission a song, but would you try mm-hmm. to like work with them to produce a song that's in the, let's say vibration, the melody, the tone that high vibes is looking for? Um, sometimes with remixes, like we'll pair certain artists that have worked with us before, you know, we'll say like, Hey, like, for example, when we release an artist track, they'll be like, Hey, who would be good for a remix for this? And so we'll send a couple different options and like, you know, connect the people, that kind of thing, um, which will like create a vibe you know um but for the most part that type of production where i'm like going for a vibe and i pair artists to work together i unless it's a remix i typically just do for my own music i'm like i'll work with multiple people um but yeah for the most part like you know i'm pretty relaxed about it like i would say equanimous me being equanimous is is kind of like my 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 general work and then I, I worked really hard to set up High Vibe Records for a couple of years. Um, but at this point, you know, everything's delegated. Like I'm not even the label manager. We have a, um, a wonderful woman, Corey, and she is the label manager. Um, and so she takes care of everything. You know, she's on salary, all that stuff. And I kind of just oversee it and I curate it. So I choose which songs we accept and which songs we don't. And the, mostly everything else um, she does and she runs. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So 
if we take a step back, because I do want to yes. keep this in kind of like the yeah, sorry, keep us, I know there's a lot. There's exactly. a lot of excitement here and a lot for us. To I know. About, so. it, and we'll get to it all. And yeah, and feel if you, free to if guide you, us. It, I'm going to do the best I can. But it, at the same point, if you feel like going down a rabbit hole and you want to dive into something, <laughs> I'll the floor you know. is yours. So take care of it. Yeah. I love it. No wrong answers. I love that. Well, so at getting back to the music, the language of music, I found yeah. this to be a very interesting idea because I remember, I remember like exploring guitar and then understanding the idea of chords and how a chord is like you essentially playing multiple notes at the same time. And then I looked into the piano because they were saying that if you're able to understand the piano, then there's almost like a section of the piano that applies to every single instrument. And I found that really kind of bizarre or like crazy in effect. So what, like in the terms of music language, like what, what does that really mean? I mean, like, just think about it like this, a guitar is, or any instrument rather is just like, it's a a bunch of matter. I'm going to go a little deep here for a second, but it's a bunch of matter. Um, and just like, energy in a condensed form that when a human does something to that form it produces sonic vibrations and waves that sound like how they sound in in our ears and so music theory and and music itself is the same it doesn't like if you play a C major scale on a piano and a C major scale on guitar, the only thing that's different is what it sounds like. You know what I mean? They're going to have the same notes. And Mm. so, for example, you can actually, like, if I really wanted to, I could record every note of the guitar, put it into every key on a MIDI keyboard, and play the guitar sound with the piano. And you can actually do that the other way too. You can get a MIDI guitar that isn't a real guitar, but it just like is playing a guitar and put piano sounds in that guitar and play as if you're playing a guitar, like strumming the piano. It wouldn't sound as good, but you can do all those things. So if you can understand, you know, and, and the reason why the piano is easy is because it's so accessible. I mean, you can play the piano on your computer keyboard. People do it all the time. Sometimes when I'm on a plane and I like think of a dope beat, I'll literally do the beat on my laptop keyboard. And so like, if you can understand that, you can apply that to other instruments. Conscious monkeys. I need to tell you about these psychedelic fabric mushrooms that are absolutely incredible that I've just come across. They're all one of a kind and are honestly a perfect trip buddy. They're an incredible addition to anyone's like house or room who takes psychedelics and you have a certain spot that you like to go and relax. You're going to have to check out these Aquarius mushrooms. These high-end mushrooms are made with 100% recycled material and are all one of a kind. Honestly, these mushrooms are something I'm not going to be able to describe in words alone. You're going to need to check out the link below and search to see if you can find one that resonates with your soul. Remember, they're all one of a kind and made from 100% recycled material. Aquarius Mushrooms, premium mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. Get yours today. 
Conscious Monkeys, I need to bring your attention to this company that I've been using over the past few months, and probably longer now if you're hearing this, that has absolutely changed the way that I'm actually interfacing with the world. It's a company by the name of Conscious Technologies, and what they do is actually create these harmonizing units. And what it does is it actually takes the rotation of EMF frequencies that are in your area and harmonizes them. They make them in line with the true natural frequency of the universe around you. And they're incredible products. I actually went and I've tested out their quantum flow unit. I've tested out their meditation bed, their core harmonizer. And quite frankly, they were so incredible that I actually bought the cell phone EMF harmonizer for my cell phone. I was also lucky enough that Ross threw in a necklace as well. So I've been wearing that thing. And quite frankly, I'm even wearing it to bed and my dreams have become so vivid and just intense that it's pretty insane. I honestly feel so grateful to have it. Their mission is to bring forth technologies that support the harmony of mankind and the world at large. Go check out their stuff. I mean, looking's for free. And if I'm being honest, if you click the link below and make a purchase, I do get some kickback. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be promoting it if it didn't work. So with that being said, go check them out. Conscious Technologies, LLC. Link below. Now, let's get back to the interview. Okay. Because it's almost this... It's almost changing your perspective, changing your pers- your vision of the world, your consciousness, maybe even of the world to view it in this form of what vibration does each note represent or feel like inside your body whenever you play it, and then trying to mash that with maybe a certain energy or feeling that you're trying to produce. Yeah. That'd be a and that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one view, you know, like... I'd say that's accurate, but there's also so many different ways to look at it. I mean, you know, people can tie a certain note or frequency with a feeling like that, you know, they could be listening to the car on the radio and someone screams and then they feel frightened and then they associate that one sound with a frightening, you know, there's so that's like what, or maybe that doesn't exist. I don't know. There's so many ways to look at this kind of thing. And it goes, um, all the way back to like, if you were to trace where this, where what you just brought up kind of like, I would say the biggest like debate amongst not debate, the most, to me, the most interesting topic around what you're talking about here is um, the discussion of 432 and Schumann resonance. Are you aware of this at all? I've seen things about the frequency 432. I've heard of the Schumann resonance, which is the resonance of the planet, but it, that's it kind was of was the resonance go. of the planet. So I'm just going in on this. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go in yeah. real quick because I feel like talking about this provides a greater and deeper conscious awareness that will help um, support whatever one's given viewpoint is on this topic of harmonics through, through sound vibration. So this dude Schumann basically was like, I'm going to measure the Earth's frequency, like the sonic frequency, right? So he, he has this device called a Schumann generator. I actually have one. They try to make them really... Um, they're, they're kind of taboo in the medical community because you can produce any frequency with them. So like mm. you can produce the frequency of like a disease, which can either affect someone to potentially be of harm. Or I actually know some scientists um, that 
are not allowed to speak publicly because of um, medical and government intervention, but they have cured diseases like AIDS and cancer with just purely sound. I've seen um, that. I've seen that before. Yeah. And, and so that's actually not legal. Um, the government made it very clear to make that not be legal for obvious reasons, because of course the pharmaceutical companies would lose a ton of money if that was ever public. Um, <laughs> we can go down but, that rabbit uh, hole in a bit. Yeah, we'll go down that <laughs> right, right. But um, uh, so anyways, so he measures the, the Earth's frequency and on that day, it was 7.83 hertz, I believe, something like this. And um, so he takes that note and, and basically, or whoever does this, right, and kind of coordinates that to, all right, well, if this was on a piano, what would middle A be? And middle A in this realm of things is 432. And so people tend to think that 432 hertz is like coming back home to our earth. It's like home. It's really the natural frequency of the earth because then Beethoven and, um, you know, composers at that time, including the Nazi Germany movement, um, changed things to 441 which was a different frequency. Now, a lot of people will say that they did this to try to produce mind control um, because that's what like pianos and instruments started to be tuned in. Um, I don't know if that's true. My honest thought is that um, someone, when they were deciding this, they re-measured the earth and it was higher than 7.83 and they just never publicly talked about it. That's my own theory. I have no idea if that's true or not. No proof to back that up. But what I can say is that they have measured the earth since. And what has been discovered is that it changes and the frequency can fluctuate. And over time, it has actually gone higher. So for those people that say, oh, it has to be in 432 because that's the frequency of the earth. It was the frequency of the earth on a certain day. But at least to my knowledge and the research that I've done, it's changing all the time. So it's very challenging to, in my opinion, to be like, oh, 528 is like the love frequency, right? Because that would be in relation to where our planet is vibrating. Um, unless maybe mm. it is. I, I don't know for sure. It's just an interesting topic that... Um, you know, I'm certainly curious about, I've had these conversations before and what I take away from it is like, we're all relatively, you know, we don't, we only know a very, very, very small portion, it seems of, about, of, of these things. So to get caught up in one frequency versus another, I would argue that the best and most potent way to choose these type of sounds is to actually just feel it yourself and make the best judgment call that you can. I'm totally on board with that. I think that there's, I think that there's a lot to be said for the idea of feeling into what energy, what people, what ideas resonate with you and, you know, take those, if those are the resident of those are the frequencies that you want to align more with back where you were talking about the 432, you were saying to what did you say with instruments? You said to tune them into a certain frequency as opposed right. to so a piano. A, a piano is unless it's a four thirty two piano or a a, a different specific uh, specific frequency tuned piano. You know, high 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 percentage of pianos, guitars, trumpets, saxophones, every single instrument is in four 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 forty point one four forty. 
whatever. They're 441. Okay, so yeah. so this is interesting because I know whenever I bought my guitar and I don't know where my audience lays on how musically adept they are because we've never talked about it before. So right. just as like a step back, I had, whenever I was learning guitar, I had one of those little like things that you would clip on to the, to the top of it so that yeah, whenever yeah, you would drum a certain chord, yeah, a tuner. So when yeah. you drum a certain chord, it would say, you know, how you need to spin the string so that it becomes either more in tune or like less in tune. Right. So, and that's in relation to it being tuned at four, four, one, if it was tuned at four, four, if it was tuned at four, three, two in a, the a note, middle a, instead of being four, 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 one Hertz would be four, three, two. And so your, your tuner, if it was in four, three, two, which there are some tuners that do this, it would actually have you go lower than normal. Okay. So that's interesting, right? So there's an A, I think, I think the, remind me if the notes are A, B, C, D, E, F, like that's just what the notes are. And then major and minors yeah, and G. G. Okay. Yeah. So then you're saying that there's a, a letter note. There's a note that mm-hmm. exists on all four, three, two frequencies and then all four, four, one frequencies. Um, no, no. What I'm saying is the frequencies exist outside of the notes and but the notes are all relative to each other, right? They're like whole step, half step. For example, like if I go duh, right? If that's an A, which I don't think it is, but if it is (laughs) duh, then a B would be duh. But the difference between A and B, no matter what, if it's in 432 or 441 will always be the same. So it's like assigning a note to a frequency. Gotcha. So if you assign an A to 432, then you would tune the rest of the instrument relative to A being the 432, as opposed to if it was 441, you would tune it relative to the A being 441. Okay, we're on the same page. So A is like the, the base note. So that's going to be what you're tuning it to. So when we say you're no, tuning No, no, A is, A is just a note. There is no bass note. The bass is whatever okay. the frequency is, right? So like, for example, in a piano, you would argue that C is the bass the bass note because it's typically the lowest note on, on most pianos or i guess actually i don't know if that's actually true it might be a b or a b flat but um or an a but the but the point is that middle c is like a more traditional thing right it's like us humans have given the weight to the frequency by like it's like think about it this way it's like the frequencies are different pieces of paper and the notes are like the drawings this is a terrible analogy. I'm going to stop the analogy right now. It's, it wasn't going where I wanted to go. But the, I think you get what I'm saying. I think you get what I'm saying. I think so. Is I it, hope you get what I'm saying. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Well, I'm going to keep asking questions till I figure it yeah. out. Sure. Ask questions. <laughs> well, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. that. So yeah. then is it, so because, right, so different frequencies, all these notes are at different frequencies, right? Like you were saying, A, if it's uh, and then B is uh, and then C is uh. Yeah. Those are, different are all different frequencies, frequencies right? Correct. But yeah, then- yeah. All of those have to be, whenever you say that they're all tuned to a certain frequency, yeah. right? They're tuned to 431 this, or they're tuned right. to 441. Right. And when, that... you, and when you say that, that, right. So in, in like music jargon, that would be meaning it is tuned to A being whatever note you are talking about. Okay. And so then I don't know what the correlation between like a half step or like a, 
a full step is in frequencies terms, but I assume that there's a frequency gap between a half step and a full step that then you yeah. apply. And you, you do okay. know, it. you know it in your system and I can show you right now. Okay. okay. If I said, duh, duh, and I told you that's a, a whole step, the next whole step would be duh, duh, duh. Right. Okay. Yeah. Half step would be duh, 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 duh. Do you see how it's less? So, yeah. so half step, so whole step, duh, duh, half step, duh, duh. Do you hear, it's right in the middle. You hear that? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think we're, whole I was step, trying to, step. The, the next step I was going, the next step, the next step that I was going to go with that was that there's a numerical equivalence for that frequency based on, let me see here. How am I trying yeah, to articulate yeah. this? Yeah. Yes. There's another frequency for it. Okay. Yes, is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if you look up, like, if you look up, like, 432 tuning chart, it'll show you all the frequencies that of each note. Yeah. Of each note. Same with 441. You know, you can see what each note is. And, and, and that's how you get to the Schumann resonance is that in 432, the bass note is the 783, 7.83. The base note is 7.83. So that was going to be my next question is you're saying yeah. that 431 is the wait. Four, yeah, sorry. 431 is the frequency. 432. 432. So maybe yeah. I've been, maybe I'm internalizing this wrong, but you're saying 432 and then 7.83, I believe. And then, so the one's the Schumann resonance, but then what is 432? So, so, okay. If so, 7.83 is inaudible to the human ear. In fact, there are no speakers on the planet that can play seven hertz. It's like the below lo- 20 hertz or something. 20, to my knowledge, right now, the like deepest subs can go to 20. I think some can even go lower, but you just don't hear it. You feel it. Conscious Monkeys, are you looking for a CBD cream that actually works? I've tried many different CBD products, and I've really never truly felt like any of them have worked for me. Like maybe there'd be like a little bit of tingling and then it would fade pretty quickly. Then came along Revive CBD. From the first time I tried it on, I could tell that there was something different about this product. I noticed that any joint pain I had was gone within minutes of applying it and it lasted for a significant duration. I don't have an exact time for you guys, but do your own test. So if you're still looking for the right CBD cream, then this might be the right one for you. Because if you resonate with my vibe, then maybe you'll resonate with this vibe. I actually kind of just made that up on the spot. So hopefully you liked it. (laughs) Check out the link below. And as a side note, like always, the link below is an affiliate link. But again, I would not be promoting them if it didn't work for me. So hopefully it'll work for you. Again, check it out below, myrevibe.com. Get yours today. Conscious Monkeys, if you're looking to start your own podcast, I have the two tools that you need to use to get that show on the road. And the names are Buzzsprout and Riverside. I'm combining these into one ad because, you know, I've honestly had nothing but the best for them. But if you're going to be using one of them, you might be using the other one. So what Buzzsprout is, is essentially the platform that I use to put my podcast out there. It's the reason you can hear this. That's the reason that I appear on all these different directories. The thing you might also need is that if you're interviewing people, you're going to need Riverside as well. And quite frankly, I'm using it right now to even just record these podcasts because they will even dilate in 
dilate in. I don't think that's the right phrase for it. They will harmonize your voice so that it sounds equivalent. So if I start talking quiet at one point, they have a built-in editor that will actually make your voice sound crisp. I highly suggest Buzzsprout and Riverside. Go check out the links below in the description. And like always, these are affiliate links. So I do get a minor kickback if you do sign up with them. However, like always, they are incredible. The support has been on point and they always get back to me. So I highly recommend them. If you have any questions, they're there to help. So with that being said, go check it out in the link below and let's get back to the interview. Okay. So like you could feel it theoretically on like your body. If you had like a sub pack on or something, I worked with this company called Soundbed. You can like lie on the bed and it vibrates. It's super cool. So let's go. If 7.3 is the lowest note that you can't hear and you keep going up the scale, eventually when you get to the middle A, it will be 432. I got if you. If your low note is 7.3. If 441 is your middle A and you were to go down, your low note would not be 7.83. It would be a little higher. I got you. Because Does that make it, sense? Yeah, because the way that it, like the notes essentially work is that they are cyclic. They, they cycle through what note that they're at. So you would just, once you go through the entire chart, you would just come to the next one, right? Right. Like it's just kind of, well, I think- well, no, 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 no. So no, because 432, for example, does not exist on a 441 scale. It's a, it's, it's not a, right. It's like, right. Right. So here, right. so here's an example. I think I have a good universal tuning. So right. the way that it has it mapped out is that it's a 432 Hertz. Mm-hmm. So it's saying 432 Hertz is a, and right. then if you go to a major, it's 459. If you go to B it's 486. Sure. And then it wraps around to C at 504. Then C sharp is 540 D 576. And it kind of goes right. all the way back down and eventually it comes back to a at 864. So then once right. you go back to B, it cycles back to C. And so there's almost this like cyclic nature that kind of happens throughout the keys. Correct. And, and, and that would be the 432 tuning and 441, of course, would be different. But yes. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, yeah. music theory is honestly <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, now that we got that out of the way, this comes back then now to what you were saying about 432, it being changed to 441 and how this is now... Were you saying that it's a it's a different frequency that's not yeah, in so alignment all music, with the Schumann? It's not in alignment with the Schumann resonance, but it doesn't mean it's not in alignment. Gotcha. So 441, all music since Nazi Germany basically has been in 441, since pianos were invented, um, mm. to my knowledge. There might have been some 432 pianos back in the day. I don't know. But, um, and, th- and that's all the music we hear now is 441. For the most part. I mean, you'll get some people who are really into this stuff and they'll do like solfeggio frequencies and different things like 528. You know, there's some really cool artists actually that, that um, mess around with different frequencies and you can like feel it. And some of it's really, really cool. And I've actually thought of doing some of that stuff more, but the problem is that it's just so very difficult to like mix into a DJ set or to like, get someone to remix it or to play guitar. It's just, it's, it's not as convenient. Right. Because it's in a completely different frequency. So it would almost be just such a shift in your right. awareness. That, like if I had a guitar wow. and I, I tuned my guitar to 432 and I went over to my piano player friend's house and I was like, Hey, let's jam. He wouldn't be able to because the piano's right. going to be in 441. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, and I guess there's not really any reason behind this 
shift from 432 to 441? Was that just well? Kind of- there's some arguments. I mean, like I said, mine is that I just think they remeasured the earth then when they were trying to make new instruments. That's my belief. But there's another very popular belief that it was a way for the Germans to mind control humans mm. and, and get them to basically um, be submissive to the, you know, agenda in Nazi Germany. That's interesting because if we're, if we're going down the conspiracy thread, I know that there's thoughts about, um, and I guess, you know, this, this comes back to frequencies as well, where, you know, with 5g, they're saying that they actually have the ability to manipulate the frequencies that are going throughout the air. Now, I, although I have a past with electrical engineering, I don't know about 5g well enough to make a comment on it, but it is fascinating that there is actually still a parallel today with at, at, at the, let's say at the very least, there's that fear within us that people are able to manipulate the sound frequencies or the radio wave frequencies to have an impact on our human body. Yeah. And we, and they can do that without humans knowing. That's the craziest and, part. You know? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, with all these theories, like, um, it just, it depends on like, like people are going to make mistakes no matter what most likely. Right. So it's just like, do you believe that the people at the top are inherently evil or do you believe that they're inherently good? And, um, I'm sure there's a mix of both. I'm sure there's people who are evil, who accidentally do things that make things good. And I'm sure that there's people that are good that are not realizing that they're doing evil things, you know? And so, you know, it's hard to know. Um, but what I can say is like, you know, we're all still alive. The, the only thing that for me, the only thing that, um, is a little bit worrisome is I did see that the death rate is going up in the world. Um, at, at a very high rate. So that's something that is that like the age at which people die? No, the amount of deaths, there are more deaths happening per day than have than normal. Um, and we do have most people on earth though. Right. So would that, does that take into account? Is there like a, an account for the fact that there are more people alive today than have ever been on planet Earth? It's the, the, the data that I saw was that um, per capita. So it okay. was like we're having the most deaths per people on Earth. Right gotcha. Now. You know, and you could argue that, you know, there's the conspiracy theorists and people that'll say it's because of, I don't know, the vaccines. You'll have people that'll say it's because of 5G. You know, you'll have people that'll say, um, that it's just honestly poor diet and it's glyphosate in the air, you know, um, lots of different theories could be a combination of all those things. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I agree with any of those things or all of them or none of them. I don't know, but I will say that like, these are some things that I know people are saying. Oh, for sure. I personally, I personally think that it comes back to us being out of tune with what something you mentioned earlier, which is just yeah. our emotional state, our internal state of 
like what are we feeling like what right like does this feel right does this does this sound feel right does this music feel right to me yeah does this food resonate with my body is something i should continue to eat are there i mean nutrients in the soil like the nutrients in american food is trash like it's crazy like that's that's actually factual i don't think there's any debate about that yeah well well i i wanted to comment on that first of all i do agree with you that you know it is very important to tune in and be in harmony with your emotional guidance system um, so that you can be of best alignment um but as far as like what you just mentioned with American soil not having, you know, being good. Yeah, we're probably not as good as some other countries for sure. But we also do have plenty of organic farms that, you know, I live in all organic lifestyle, meaning I only eat organic food. I only wear organic clothes and um, all my bedding is also organic, including all my shampoos, my soaps, everything like that. So I do my best to eliminate any kind of pesticide going in through either ingestion or into my pores, Love through it. my skin. Um, I travel with my own organic pillowcase as well. So like, you know, um, I mean, I probably take it to an extreme, but the point is that it's possible and anyone can do it as long as you're relatively privileged. <laughs> it's a weird, weird thing to say, but it's also kind of true since the, right now the government is subsidizing um, you know, conventional food as opposed to organic, which of course goes into all industries, unfortunately, at this point. Right. Right. I mean, I guess at some level we got to figure out like what the best, best route is for our individual self and figure out what we're able right. to actually do. Right. Like, like maybe you don't get to that extreme where you're at with, you know, having everything organic, but you start little by little and hundred percent. And I did that too. I start. it wasn't like, I just woke up one day and I, you know, like I used to eat dairy for years. I would love pizza. Pizza tastes so good. Oh my God. But I don't eat, I haven't had dairy in years. And, you know, and it's just like, you take, there's steps that you take, you know? And, and I noticed that, like, I'm noticing a lot of athletes too. I'm, I'm a big sports guy. I love basketball. And, um, um, there's a couple of, you know, people in the league that I'm, that I'm friends with or friendly with, I would say, you know, just through like texting. Um, and so I noticed that like, you'll get these people, you know, like Marcus Smart, Kyrie Irving, you know, who eat like vegan, right. Which to them is really healthy. I actually eat meat, but to them, vegan, like being vegan is great. And I'm, I'm like, great, be vegan. That's amazing. But if you're going to like, to me, it's more important to be organic than it is vegan, you know? So like there's steps for people, you know? Um, it's just like, you know, uh, Dwight Howard, an NBA player, you know, on the, used to be on the Lakers, um, went to Burning Man this year, you know? And he is talking about wanting to get more conscious and all these things, yet he's still probably eating junk. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just, it's just a step. And I will give a shout out to Dwight because he's the man and he's, he's wanting to get more into consciousness. We've talked a couple of times and, um, he's a super nice guy. I, I've I got really a podcast if he wants to talk. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I can see if he's up for it. <laughs> conscious monkeys. I've got something out there for all my coaches, anybody who has digital courses, anybody who's creating content, whether it's audio or video, you got to check out Superpass. Superpass is the super dope platform that I've been using now, and they're actually what has enabled my app to work. It's what's enabled me to start generating income and to help 
people more effectively. If you are a content creator, you create audio, video, whatever it may be, SuperPass might be the choice for you because they'll provide you with your own app and they have a great online service to also help you out. So I'm not going to put in too much because everything they do is way too much to pack into this one ad. I will say go click the link below because that is where you'll be able to find all the information. This is an affiliate link and I wouldn't be promoting them if it didn't help me. Click the link below and go check out SuperPass. With that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the last segment of the interview. But I but I really think that the the see I'm not I'm still not completely sold on vegan. I'll be honest, I'm not completely sold on it, but I do yeah. find it so fascinating that athletes at a very high level can operate, yeah. you know, in that vegan environment, whatever you want to call right. it, whatever whatever motivates that. And part of me wonders if there is some level of our let's say conscious like our collective consciousness of humanity rising to a certain level where we are actually being able to get more nutrients from certain plants or if we're no longer able because i know throughout my life with my diet it's always changed like i've tried carnivore diet i've tried every diet that's in the book and it's interesting how i've seen these ebbs and flows in my diet where I can't always eat a certain thing. Like I, I always drank milk. Then I became lactose intolerant. Then I was back to milk again. So even in that crazy example, I find that there's probably kind of like the Schumann residence things go up and down. They oscillate within our, our own life, even when it comes to diet. Yeah. I hear that. I a little bit disagree. And I'm going to tell you why, because I don't think that that's the right way to look at it for primal, for prime health. I don't think you know, it's the most wise thing to make those kind of evaluations. Oh, I tried being vegan. Oh, I tried eating meat. If, you know, while you were vegan, you were eating shitty vegan food that was not organic, that had junk in it. And you're, while you're eating meat, you're eating healthy organic meat that was like properly loved and raised and you know, like those are way too different. Like those factors are so different. There's no control, right? I feel like the only way you can really um, properly make an accurate statement around that is if your control is the same. Like if you're saying like, okay, I only am eating all organic. I'm going to try it with me. Now I'm going to try without. Then you'll get some accurate data there. You know what I mean? But like if in one of the two things you're having cookies, it's going to throw off the whole thing. Or if you eat dairy like once, right? Like some bodies can handle dairy, especially if it's raw dairy or like goat dairy. Um, I used to eat some like raw milk back in the day, you know? I still do. I I do. I I do that. So, so yeah. yeah, So I don't, my system cannot, I do not, my system does not like dairy. Like it, the way that it feels about dairy, it's like, you know, I do not vibe with it. Um, for me, the only thing I would say worse than that, besides like all the, you know, fake colorings and high fructose corn syrup and all that stuff, which I don't even put in the league because that shouldn't even be a food. Sure. Um, it should not is, be class- is, that should not even be right. classified as a food. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Is is pork. And pork I have a moral issue with because when I tune into the pig, I do feel like they are experiencing fear when they die. I, and, and like a conscious fear and a conscious pain, a cow or like a deer or a, another animal like that. Um, I feel like 
has this like universal peace within God and this sense of awareness that like they are going to be killed and eaten as opposed to a pig. I feel like a pig's like, no, 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 don't do this. And so for me, I can't eat a pig. I, it's very hard for me to even be around cooked. Like I don't allow pig in my house or anything like being cooked like that because when I tune into it, all I feel is like energetic fear inside of an organ. And I just don't want to eat that nor do I feel comfortable supporting that in any way. And that's my belief. I don't have any proof to back that up. You know, it's sure. just my own belief. Well, I, I think, I think there's two things here that you pointed out that are super important to hit on. And the number one thing is you're absolutely right about the control aspect of not knowing, let's say how much love was put into growing this cabbage or into this lettuce or into these animals for that matter. And I am completely on board that, that that has some form of vibration, some form of connection with how much nutrients that that body, that animal or plant body can take in and then subsequently gets transferred onto you as you're eating it. Because I mean, even if I just show myself love, I know my body, my muscles like respond in a yeah. much proactive and healthy pattern. It, it's tremendous, right? Yeah. And then what was the other thing you touched on? Oh, the other thing you touched on is this idea of, what was it? It was like the idea of whether or not trying vegan. I still, I guess I still feel though that for some people it might work better than others. Like if you're- Of course, all bodies are different. Re- yeah, yeah. So like women you, can take dairy a lot better than men, in my experience. Really, and soy. I haven't seen that. And yet. soy, yeah, yeah. Okay, soy, soy makes sense because soy like uh, increases estrogen, estrogen levels. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that is always an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. Yeah. But um, let's. Uh, okay, cool. Where I like where this rabbit hole is going. Let's uh, let's shift it real quick to okay. your history with spirituality. Cause I do at some point want to take you the music and the spirituality and see where they merge in your life. So we, we've got a good basis of the music we're, yeah. we're onto the Hertz, the frequencies you've been doing this shit your entire life. What was it like with spirituality? Was it something you grew up with in your household? Did you stumble upon it later in your life? When were you yeah. kind of exposed to Definitely this other realm? Felt, felt it at an early age, very young, you know, five years old. Um, didn't really mentally grasp what was going on, I think, until I was in college. I will say like when I was in high school and younger, it was all just kind of like philosophy. And like when I was in college, I kind of like woke up a little bit on a cellular level. Um, can you and, a bit? What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, just experiencing life from a different inner view. Okay. Um, and like feeling my cells and operating from my full system and body rather than just identifying with myself as my mind. Were you, actually were you, doing, something? Were you doing something like meditating to get to that feeling? Um, I was hanging out with some actors and actors when you're in like acting school there's a lot of like practice around uh, i was not in acting school i was just hanging out with some and there's a lot of practice around um 
like being versus doing and identify like being the witness, all that stuff that in combination with like, you know, I read the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. That was very, um, have you read that book? I have. I love it. Yeah. I think that was the yeah, one that, that like switched in my head right. and like, yeah, me too. I, I wrote a song yeah. called I am my mind, a song called I am my mind when it was college and I put it out just like to my friends. And then I, uh, opened the book, book Eckhart Tolle power. Now the first line it is you are not your mind. And, I was, <laughs> and so that, you know, that kind of opened that for me. Um, definitely like lots of experiences with medicine and different substances have helped, um, you know, kind of like shift and paint my view and my awareness. Um, definitely, you know, later in life doing a Vipassana 10 day silent meditation. I mean, that was drastic for me just in terms of like really shifting my home place from my body, uh, from my mind into my body, you know, and, and now I like, I think I probably think as much as the next person, but I don't it's different because I'm not hanging out in my mind as much. So I'm not like, there's really like, you know, I know what it's like to have a strong voice in your head. I did when I grew up, I had OCD, all that stuff. Um, going from that to now having, you know, a pretty empty and blank space up there in the head. And then when there is a voice that comes in, it's like, it feels like it's just like one kind of little voice or one voice that's, you know, taking up a little, um, occupancy of the space. Um, so there's been a lot of things in my journey, you know, I've come in and out different experiences, but I would say that like the first time where I ever identified, I guess, as a spiritual being was probably like, you know, as I was coming out of college and, um, experimenting with different substances and philosophies and, you know, learning from different teachers and people and just being open. You said you, you said medicines and where my mind went, yeah. was like plant medicine. Is that you, yeah. you do some stuff with like psilocybin or something where you were yeah, like yeah, a therapeutic yeah. oh, yeah. setting? Uh, not in a therapy. I mean, therapeutic setting. Yes. In that I was like in nature. But yeah, I probably, I mean, I've <laughs> oh, taken yeah, quite a bit of medicines. Yeah, I used to do a lot more than I than I do now. Um, but yeah, you know, I've I've quote unquote tripped or taken some type of medicine, whether it's mushrooms or LSD or MDMA or you know boga or ayahuasca or San Pedro or any of those. You know, I've I've probably DMT, I've even salvia. I've probably like you know partaken in multiples of hundreds. Do you feel like in, and I guess maybe some of these times, did you ever go into it with like the intention that you were doing it or was it kind of more just like, I'm going to do this to trip? You, you know what I mean? Like, was no, there, Oh no, no. I'd say like 99 out of a hundred times there's an intention. Okay. So you were kind yeah, of yeah. conscious. You were very conscious whenever you were doing this as to like, were you trying to get stuff out of it or was it just like well, for fun? When I was situation? younger in college, it was a little bit more to party. I mean, sure. I would still do it out in nature. But it was more to like have fun and take mushrooms with your friends, you know, or like yeah. you take some Molly and go to a show. Um, now it's different. When I do a medicine, it's different. I also do way less. Like when I was in college, I would like do a full dose, like every time, you know, I would never, I've never really done like 
I mean, I've done a couple hero doses, but never like huge intentional hero doses, I don't think, to my knowledge. Um, now, if I take some medicines, it's usually in the form of a pepper dose. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's just so fascinating how it just like slightly like almost lifts this veil of reality whenever okay. you take you, it in a small you partake? quantity. Do you partake yeah. in microdosing at all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my history, I was very, what would have been, college? Um, I don't think I did psychedelics until I got into college. And where'd you go to college? Central Florida, down in oh, cool. Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be that, there. I'll actually be there on Thursday. Oh yeah, hell yeah! yeah You're I'm performing Zen Awakening. Yeah, I'm playing Zen Awakening oh. Festival there. Oh yeah. okay, dude. There's so many festivals down in like that Florida, like Okeechobee Fest, yeah. and yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got a couple buddies who re- I got one buddy in particular who like wants to go to Okeechobee Fest so bad. I'm like, dude, we'll we'll make it happen eventually. <laughs> yeah um not to get off topic yeah i i did what did i do i i did some in college i think like probably mushrooms and lsd was like the the craziest and then whenever i got to san diego i lived in san diego for four years that was kind of whenever i experienced with or messed around with like ecstasy or mdma and that was that was like just turning your oxytocin levels on to like the highest degree i found that to be so such like a bonding chemical. It was fascinating in my mind. Um, and what kind of freaked, I guess not freaked me out, but like puzzles me is like how people are able to drink alcohol and take psychedelics at the same time. I'm not sure if you've ever kind of done that yourself. Well, I don't really drink alcohol. So, I mean, I okay. used to, when I was in college, I like, you know, drank, but, um, you know, if I drink alcohol, it's either like, maybe a glass of wine like once every two months with my girlfriend you know out to dinner or something you know like very rarely or um there have been a couple times recently where like i've been in settings where you know typically when i go out or i'm like around my friends or i'm playing an event typically the focus is not alcohol it's it's just not like people if they're going to do substances that's not what they're doing and so i'm not around it very much but there have been some times when i've like you know networked with people or i've gone to seeing you know older friends um and you know been at like a show with someone or whatever where i would have a beer you know like a like an organic ipa or something organic um, it's got to be organic <laughs> i try i try to yeah i try to um or you know or or there have been a couple times where like i have done some mdma in like settings um where you know having one drink is okay but typically like definitely not more than two you know for me i'm just i just i'm not a big drinker it's just really not my thing i got you yeah, it was another thing. I used to college was crazy. I I went through all the yeah Central crazy Florida. College. I mean, yeah, <laughs> even I know that. <laughs> yeah, that, that that left a mark. I yeah, that, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely went through those phases, and I I find myself now like out of it where I'm kind of like you. I probably drink a little bit more frequency, like maybe like two or three like drinks a a week, but I would do like whiskey and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm at like maybe one a month maybe one drink a month. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't see anything. Wrong I, no judgment. Oh yeah. yeah, No, yeah. Oh, no sure. judgment. You know, no judgment. As long as you're not like getting hammered and freaking destroying your life for people, then you know, who it, knows? It, there's maybe, certain, maybe some people need to do that. I don't know. Right. And there's certain health benefits, you know, alcohol, believe it or not, is very cleansing. 
Dude, you this know? is and it can help your immune system. I used to so, be yeah, I used to be around where you were, where I would only do like once every other month. And I read yeah. something that people who live the longest in life commonly report. I, I don't think it was very scientific, but commonly report that they drink once a day. And I was like, hmm, there might be something to this. Yeah, no, I definitely think that well, yeah. So think about it. I mean, there's different, obviously, like different things, right? Like tequila, certain tequilas can be good for your immune system. You know, vodka can be good for your digestive system, which I'm not sure is true, but it's what I heard, I think. Um, you know, different things do different things, right? Like uh, uh, IPA, there is extremely fermented. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of probiotics in there. I know that's like weird because really like if you're mixing it with unhealthy sugars and syrups and all this stuff, that's the really bad part about it. Mm. You know, and it can affect your judgment and it's dangerous. You don't want to drive it and all these things. So there's definitely cons. But also, if you do it in a healthy way, I don't think it's that. You know, I think yeah. it's pretty Well, I would need to look this up, but I could have sworn like maybe like the 1600s or 1700s, they would more commonly drink beer than water because the water was so tainted and so bad that drinking beer was actually a healthier alternative. I, I might want to fact check myself on that. But Yeah, I've heard. I've actually heard that too. I'm... I don't know if I believe it just because beer is still dehydrating to my knowledge. Right. Um, but I mean, there is water in beer, so maybe not, maybe like certain beers is good. I don't, I don't know. While I'm searching that, I was curious yeah. because I get, I feel like I get into this weird space with like words like GMO and organic and all natural mm -hmm. where everyone makes up their own like little definition of it. Yeah. So I was curious to you what, uh, what, when you're saying organic, what do you mean by like something? I mean, organic. organic, zero pesticides. So for me, okay. non-GMO doesn't make a difference because I'm not going to eat GMO food. So if it says non-GMO, it doesn't matter because it needs to say organic for me to eat it. Mm. Non-GMO just means it's not made in a lab. Honestly, I would rather eat GMO food than food that's grown out of the ground with pesticides on it. So for me, the non-GMO thing literally means nothing. Okay. All natural also literally means nothing because MSG can be listed as natural flavors legally. Really? Yes. So I don't care. Like that doesn't make any difference to me. I need to see organic ingredients. Now, there are some brands of food that I'll eat that are not organic, but all the ingredients on the back, or at least a very high percentage of them will be organic. Mm. So for me, I just try to eliminate glyphosate and eliminate different pesticides. They're obviously terrible for you. Um, you know, I noted, I've noticed that like a lot of my own also fears and different like uncomfortabilities within my system have also gone away from eliminating these things. You know, and as someone that spends a lot of time in my own inner system, you know, I, I really am a big um, supporter and um, person or, or proponent of um, internal awareness that if you're practicing internal awareness, you'll feel these subtleties, you know? Oh, for and sure. so for me, it's organic or it's, or it's poison. How does that, how does that work whenever you like go out to eat? Is there a way you're able to see if it's all organic or not? hundred percent. So I call in advance, you know, and of course I'm like, you know, I'm not 
perfect. Like there are some times when I, when I do sacrifice, like all, you know, if, if the quinoa is not organic, but everything else is, I'll still eat it. You know, if I have to, it's not, I, you know, I don't, I don't make it a pain or a nuisance in my life, but yeah, typically what we do is, so I don't, I don't go out to eat unless I know the place in advance. Um, I have a personal chef, so she makes all of the food for me. Um, and then if I'm on tour, what I do is I find the best organic spot I can find and I'll order like three meals from there to cover, let's say my dinner that night, the next day lunch, the next day dinner throughout the airport travel. And I just bring food with me everywhere I go. And then I if I don't have something, I just, if there's no organic food out there, I'll try to get by with like some, you know, some like powdered shakes or something, or I'll just fast. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, I do. Cause I know, I know in my past, whenever I've tried to do certain diets, it'll always get so difficult and to think like organic, but I guess it's something you just got to make sure you plan in advance. You have to yeah, be aware and, of it. Yeah. And if you're serious about it, I would use fear. I would use fear. Fear is really helpful in this, you know, like, um, like I'm legitimately afraid to eat pork. Like my system would freak out if I had to do that. And I've trained myself to, to do that so that I don't do it. And it's the same thing with anything else. You know, you can use fear. Fear is an energy, right? It's like, it's an energy. And, and as long as you're safe with it, you can use it um, to help you not do something just in the same way that your system uses fear to not run into a bear. You know, your body would be like, no, don't do this. Well, you can scare yourself or use fear. Not scare yourself is the wrong way to say it. You can use fear, which to me, when you're using that type of fear, it's actually love disguised as fear, right? It's like, it's like a parent being like to a kid, no, don't climb up on that fence. And they make the kid afraid to do it. But that's just an expression of love, of the parent loving the kid. So I'm on board. This is an interesting idea. I've not thought about yeah. this before. So everything I'm about to say, I'm thinking of it just off the top of my head. Go for it. Yeah. So- this is interesting though, because I have almost done this on the opposite end of the spectrum where if I feel anxious, I feel, if I ever feel anxious or I feel like a lower vibration, let's say mm -hmm. I try to mentally rearticulate it as, you know, like a challenge. I'm like, okay, once I get past this, it's going to be like leveling up or I'm feeling anxious in the scenario. So if I'm able to get through it, it's like, it's like a leveling up process. So I'm really, so that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, no, it's okay. I, so I'm really interested in how this gets to, gets to fear because I've, cause something, something feels right about what you're saying, but where I'm coming from it, it feels to me as if I've always, because hmm, again, I'm stumbling through this, but yeah, it's okay. In order to do it, I feel like you need to have a deep sense of inner knowing and love and acceptance and safety, right? Because, um, if you are like in your example, right? I know what you're talking about. It's like, oh, you have to go through an uncomfortable thing that's triggering to then get to the best place possible, right? So if your intuitive system is feeling excited and energized about getting over that fear, then you're not using fear, you're using love. Right. But if you're intentionally, if, if it's something where like, you know, you're like, oh, I really shouldn't do this thing. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyways to get over this. 
just to beat my fear. If you're really being sent guidance to not do the thing, and it's like, you should fear this, don't do it, don't do it. It's your emotional guidance system. It means your body's working correctly. It's like if you go and you like accidentally make a mistake and like insult someone, but you didn't mean to, and your system feels bad about it, right? You shouldn't try to make yourself feel better about that. I mean, you can like be like, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it to get through it, but you should feel that negativity because that means your system's working correctly. If you weren't feeling that negativity, your system would not be working correctly. You're constantly giving yourselves, you know, positive and negative reinforcement. And that's how your body works. That's how you will sharpen your intuitive decision-making skills. So, I mean, so let's, let's play this out a little bit then. Cause I, yeah. I'm hearing what you're saying and it, and it makes sense, but there's still a little piece of me that like, yeah, wants, to, we'll get wants to finish, like push back or like figure yeah, this push out. Back, do it. So let's look at this in the form of food, right? Like right. if you are, let's say sugar, let's say the, the things that we were talking about that aren't actually yeah. food, like high fructose corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. Great. Do we want to make you want to make yourself afraid to eat high fructose yes, syrup because 100%. you know the outcome of it? It's bad for your body. Your body will be grateful. Your body will be grateful if you are afraid to eat high fructose corn syrup. That means your system is working properly. But is there not? But is there not a better way to understand what high fructose corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup does to you, and then take a step back and be like, well, it's an option, but I know if the, if I take this option, then this is the route. Like it's almost. I feel that it's almost like taking this yeah. higher level position of looking down on it and saying, okay, you can eat this or not eat this. It's your choice. And I'm going to love you either way, but option a, not eating it. You're going to live a healthier life. Option B eating it. You're not going to enjoy life. I love you either way, but there's one that you right. should pick over the other. I think that works. I think what you just said definitely works, but I don't think it's as quick and as fast and as productive mm. as just feeling negativity. Don't, you don't have to go through that okay. process. That's you know I mean? If you already, if you already have self-love for yourself, then it's more effective to not go through the process you just talked about. If you're work, if you need, if you're a human being that because of trauma or whatever, you know, or just society needs, like you don't have that genuine inner self-love then my advice would be go on a journey to get that self-love so that you're not worried about these kind of things. So that's an interesting point. And I think you, I think you said this before. I, I don't think this is new, you, but that idea of at least you need to understand what self-love is before trying to almost use or manipulate fear. Like, yeah. You and I don't to... think you need to know. I don't think you need to know what it is. I just think your system needs to be running the program where you are loving yourself. Like, okay. I don't think you need to be conscious or aware of it. I think that will help in terms of your communication skills and you as a person and you as a human. But for this instance, I don't think it's needed. I think what's needed is actual, just pure self-love and to have that be running in the background. Gotcha. But so, but then you can't, I'm really interested by this because I feel like it, 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 it makes sense from a 3d perspective, right? Because there's this, right. if we're talking about yin and yang, we're talking about balance. Mm -hmm. We're talking about how love and hate, it, it seems to me that a balance should be at play there. It's not like you just unconditionally 
love everything, but part of me feels like that, or maybe I've been training myself. No, to you do can that. unconditionally love everything. I think that's okay. I also, you said love and hate, but those don't feel like a, a balance at all. In fact, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like love doesn't need charge. Hate needs charge, right? Like, okay. You can love something and feel very calm about it. It's hard to hate something and feel calm about that. So I don't think they're in the same, they're different. Like hate to me is, feels like, uh, much more conditional. It's not, it's like, I, I wouldn't put that in balance, like yin and yang. I, I could see how those two could be balanced, right? Even like masculine, feminine love and hate to me is like, sort of like saying red and yellow. They're not opposites. Interesting. Yeah, I'm interested where that came from. Yeah, because it's almost like love is the circle that's like surrounding the yin and yang, as opposed to hate would be somewhere else. Hate is not hate's just it's it's a tangent. It's like saying like jealousy or like saying like joy. It's a tangent. You know, and and hate to me, like to dislike, like to have an extreme dislike of something is like I guess I could see where it goes into the opposite of like an extreme love of something, but that's like a very specific type of love. That's like the, um, the, it's a certain type of the certain type of feeling. It's not necessarily actionable. It's not necessarily the vibration of love. It's different. Right. Um, but I see why they say that, you know, I'm not, I know I'm being a little nitpicky here, but no, it's okay. I also, I, but while we're like, here deep in the conversation i think it's just important that we like get clear i know i feel like we went on a tangent so let's let's you know no it's all good bring it back but no yeah. this is i love where we're at right here i love i mean you're pushing me beyond what my you're pushing me beyond what i already perceive to be true so i'm all down for that type of conversation wherever i love that however it yeah. manifests and I just, I just find it so fascinating. I'm trying to now, so if, if I'm stuttering a bit, it's because I'm trying yeah. to like now reconceptualize love and hate in my own mind. Yeah. But so then I, I guess I'm still a little pushed back or I'm a little yeah. perplexed about how you, what it, then the question becomes, what is a healthy way to integrate fear into your, would fear be the opposite of love as opposed to hate? No, no. Um, I think hate is probably more of an opposite in my opinion. And the reason is because I don't think hate exists within love. I just don't think it does. I mean, I guess it does technically if like you really have unconditional love and you need to put hate on something or shame. So it changes like there, perhaps there's scenarios where that is, but I do think that love uses fear often like in many people's lives multiple times well and so i do agree with that because i know i can think back i mean i'm sure plenty of us can think back that our parents used fear in order to get us as a mechanism for control because that's the way i guess i would view it is that they use fear as like if you do this or if you misbehave you get punished it's a it's a very i mean we do that in our judicial system right if you kill someone you go to jail for life you get executed like right it's a healthy fear interesting good those are those are good fear like it's good that we are all afraid of killing people 
that's good for everybody. Okay. So here's where my, <laughs> here's where I go to though. Shouldn't we just yeah. understand that we don't like the idea of just treat someone how you want to be treated? Shouldn't we just embody the fact that I wouldn't want someone to kill me, so I'm not going to kill them. And I just don't kill. It's like, I don't go around right. looking well, at people. Why like, do you feel that way? Why do you feel that way? Well, I don't know because, because you're, because you're, a, I would assume you're afraid of feeling bad. I don't think I'm afraid of feeling and bad. I think I would towards just prefer good. I think I would just prefer to feel good. You should good. be afraid. Of, you should be afraid of feeling. So let me rephrase it. Feeling bad temporarily. Like. There's it's a catalyst, it's there's a catalyst for change. I agree that feeling bad temporarily right. is a catalyst for change. Because even, even after I eat a massive shitty meal, I feel physically bad. So then there's this mental catalyst for change of like, yeah, let's not fucking eat like that forever because that's going to feel right. shitty. I'd rather feel good. I mean, I have plenty of examples where I was dick, I was a dick to people and I felt bad in those instances. And so that's my catalyst for change to feel good. Right. But and so, it's your body working right. That's love. That's your body being like, Hey, I'm going to give you some correct. love right now. I agree with make that. you feel bad. You know, I agree with that. But, but then, but here's where it comes back to like, yeah, if yeah. you see someone on the side of the road, I yeah. don't, I don't see someone on the side of the road and think to myself, I don't want to, I'm not going to kill them because I'm afraid of going to jail. It's no, more, of course not. it's more that I just, it's not in your best interest. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. No, in that, in that scenario, I would, you know, argue that you probably would not kill that person if you did, even if you did not fear what it would be like to kill them, you know what I mean? Like it's like, so I would, it, I would agree with you there, but, but that's, but that's because in that instance, you're so like, you know, if you were to follow the emotional guidance system, meaning you're following your intuition what feels it's like combination of your intuition and what feels right to you, your experiences, what you've learned and what you perceive is real in that setting. You're just following what feels good you're you're not following what doesn't feel bad you're following what feels good because there isn't a signal in your system being like don't kill this person right as you said it's that's not happening what's happening is like i'm just gonna be compassionate and so that's there's no need to listen to like you listen to whatever's present you know so like if there's good feelings you listen to them what i'm saying is like if you like really are upset with someone and you want to go and you like want to go violently physically hurt them right and that's like what feels good to you in your system right because like there's something there's a certain desire there in this made up scenario that one would do that well then your system's going to be healthy it's going to work it's going to show you love and it's going to say hey don't do that. Even though you want to do it, it's not going to be good for you. You could get hurt. You could go to jail. It could be painful. This other person might get hurt, right? And you're getting sent all these fear signals so that you don't do it. And so if those fear signals are coming in, it's important to be honest and present and be like, whoa, I'm feeling this fear. I'm going to listen to it. Thank you. Thank you for coming in fear so that I don't mess up my life. So I'm just saying you listen to whatever's present. You know, and, right. and, and, and it doesn't mean that the fear that's present in there is bad. In fact, it's actually a form of love. 
So something you touched on there that I think was clicking in my head was this idea of, because you were saying like, you know, if you're in such a, a warped state of anger towards another person where the thought of actually killing them crosses your mind, it, it feels to me as though it's good to have the added side bumper of reality saying, well, if you do that, then you ruin the rest of your life, right? It's, right. Which I would call fear. I would call that fear, right? Because it's a fear of ruining your life. It's not love being like, you know, it's yeah, not love. So right? here, right, right. So here, no, perfect. So because yeah. in my mind, right, I'm at a place yeah. with humbly, as I can humbly say, mm -hmm. a place yes. in my conscious evolution where I have compassion for people. I have empathy for pretty much everyone. I understand if someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm not going to want to kill them because right. I've reached that level of, let's say, conscious awareness with my internal right. system and the outer world. Where it gets interesting is if someone has yet to hit that level of compassion where they are triggered very quickly. They get into that fight or flight mentality where they want to fight, they want to kill. But then having that extra little thing of, well, you go to jail deters a significant proportion of people from actually taking that step. Right. I guess that's what we're right. essentially I getting mean, at. Yeah. And I'll give you an example that's personal to me, which I haven't really shared publicly much, but there was, um, uh, a man who in the spiritual, you know, he was a spiritual dude, I guess you could say. And he was taking advantage of women. He was manipulating them to, you know, do sex things saying that it was a healing thing, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't know this at the time, you know, my girlfriend and I had kind of like seen him. This was a past girlfriend years ago. And I had a weird experience with him, whatever. I'm not going to get too into it. But there was a time where the two of them were together, where he kind of manipulated her and took advantage of her. Um, and he's a doctor to use his MD. And I, um, I punched him in the face. He's the only person I've ever punched in the face. And um, I ended up running into him a couple times in life later. One of the times I punched him again. Now I've come to peace with it. And I've seen him since I've come to peace with it. And it's been fine. I think he's a little afraid of me, but and rightfully so. Um, when I went in, I went into pretty deep to that. Hey, was it right for me to punch this person in the face? Violence is not a good thing. Could I have done it in a different way? Yes. But I didn't have something in me saying, don't punch this person in the face. It's going to be bad for you. And I did it and it felt good. And I'm glad I did it. And, um, I do think it shook him up a little bit. And I think if I hadn't punched him in the face, I think he would have been doing the same thing to women that he's been doing. And so I feel like by me punching him, I was protecting, um, future women against him. And we threatened to call the cops and all these things. And I do feel, I haven't heard from him. I haven't, since that happened, I haven't heard of him doing that to other people. We'll say that. Um, nor have I been in contact with him for years. Um, to me, was that right or wrong? I don't know. Some people would say it's, it's wrong. You know, I'm a very peaceful person. He's the, like I said, haven't really hit anyone else like that in my life. Um, and I do feel like if it was a different situation or scenario where the person did not um, deserve to be punched in the face, I do feel like I would have had that voice. 
being like, don't hit this person even if you're mad at them. It's not appropriate. But it wasn't there. There was no signal to listen to that voice because it wasn't there. So I did it. And, you know, it might have been a healing thing to do. I don't know. But that's an example of where, you know, of where fear can come in and give you the right guidance versus, hey, maybe it's not present. You know what I'm saying? I do think that if people went around being violent to each other and they did not hear those voices, then a lot more people would get hurt. I would also assume that if you're, if you've ever been in a situation or there's a person out there listening that's ever been in a situation where they genuinely had to protect themselves or they had to do something that was going to protect someone else, I don't think they would get in their head, hey, don't hit this person. I think they would get in their head the fear of like, hey, stand up for yourself. You got to make sure you're okay. So I perhaps that brings a little light to the situation. Yeah. I, I don't know if it does. No, I appreciate you sharing that. It's uh yeah, it's that's a crazy what I'm thinking of is whenever I was whenever I was younger, I was probably in middle school, I had a bully myself and it was just this relentless like picking on, you know, poking. Uh, you know, it never got very physical. The only time that it got physical was that he threw a basketball at me and was like laughing it off. And I kind of fell into that same thing you're talking about. We were just like yeah. blind, blind rage. There was no thinking. Right. It was like a, something just snapped where it was like, okay, this has gone far enough. Right. And then it turned into a fight essentially. Right. And I mean, I, there's a whole, did bunch it stop of- after that? It did. Did it stop after that? Right. It so did. I'm not condoning violence here, but your system acted properly in that situation. Right. You hit a certain point of being pushed enough, or even even if it's a one time thing, like in your situation, or your awareness, it was a one time thing. Right. That it's like this level of something that's so far that. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm trying to think of how to bring this back to the idea of fear and the idea I think you just of- got to trust your emotional guidance system. And when fear comes, listen to it and be like, is this something that I, is this a real fear and signal that's being sent to my system that I should listen to and act upon? Or is this something that I like picked up in my past, some kind of a past trauma that is like a, a not properly programmed fear? And if that's the case, then of course you do what we started with, where you get over it, but you, you can only know that intuitively, you know, is this the type of fear that I should get over? Or is this the type of fear that I should listen to? No, and you just learn trial and error, you know, you just, you just try and then your system gets better at knowing what's what. Yeah. That's a great way I think to put it, which is like, what's a, what's appropriate fear, right? Like what is actually the Mm -hmm. line of where should you actually be afraid of something or how real is the, how real is the threat of this actually impaling my life, my freedom, my consciousness, whatever, however you want to articulate it and where my mind's now going with this. This was kind of something we talked about when we did our meet and greet was, and I've been thinking about this ever since you were kind of talking about you know, generally speaking about how you pay attention to the news and the media and what's happening mm-hmm. in the world. And I found it very fascinating because I, I think we were in agreement with the idea that majority of people in the spirituality or consciousness community want to just be in 
high vibes right record records. most privileged community <laughs> on the planet high vibe records <laughs> right, right. uh people yeah. just want to be in high vibes the entire time and yeah. it really struck me as interesting and i think this is a perfect parallel to the idea of fear because to me it 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 still kind of is i'm still in this mindset yeah. of if i don't give my energy to it then it doesn't exist per se and it's interesting because it, it, i would though right like to me when you get a signal a little subtle signal of fear and it's a guidance thing. Oh, I shouldn't go to this show tonight. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like it might not be the move. I should go to this other event and network with these people. And like you feel that through fear. To me, that's high vibe. To get that signal so subtly and, and be able to like not be afraid of the negative feeling of it and to use that negativity to shift and transmute, that feeling of fear and that experience to me is freaking really high vibe. Mm. You know what I'm well, I guess I view this is interesting because what I mentally refer to whenever I think of emotions, and maybe it's mm -hmm. a very three dimensional way to view emotions, is the oh, what is it? The it's a is it called the map of consciousness by Dr. David Hawkins? I don't think it's the map of consciousness. It's called something sure. else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he has like this chart of vibrational frequency with regards to emotions. So it's like shame, guilt, you know, apathy, and then it's fear. And then above fear is like acceptance, willingness, love, peacefulness, bliss, enlightenment. And it kind of like, you know, transcends that way. And so that's, I guess, maybe that's where I'm kind of stuck at is this idea of, and of calling upon that. I guess the way I see it is more of a lower vibe. I'm totally in agreement with you that if you're so in tune with your body to know yeah. when those energies arise, that yes, that is very. It's a lower vibe. It's a lower vibe for sure. Fear's lower vibe, but you know the saying "high vibe," at least as I interpret it, can mean riding the wave of a low vibe to make it a high vibe. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the. The vibe of high vibe to me exists beyond vibrations in that sense that we're talking about now. Right. So, if like if you're feeling a low vibe, how you witness that and respond to it and can be high vibe. Right. Okay. Like you're like you're not your feelings or your emotions, you're just experiencing them. Right. So, who you are is different than from what you feel. For sure. And so if you're feeling something that's low vibrational, it doesn't mean you're low vibrational. It just means that you're experiencing it. That's a really good point. Because you can, because I guess I, I, I've felt shame. I felt grief. I can think of it yeah. and feel that energy. Yeah. So I guess, and it comes back to what you're saying about how can you transform that into a higher frequency? So do you, do you kind of, let's go back to this going yeah, yeah. to a show example. So if you're about to go to a show and you feel fear, is it, I guess the, what is high vibe yeah. in your, in your analogy is to actually transmute that fear and then reorientate what you're planning on doing so that you become an alignment with love. Right. It's or to know. It's just to know, like, here's an example. So last weekend I had the choice of, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago, whatever it was. You know, I travel a lot. So when I don't get to, when I, when I get to be at home, it's like vacation for me, honestly. <laughs> Stoked. Um, my partner was playing a festival, music festival. She was playing one about six hours south. 
And I had the opportunity to like go with her, have a good time, um, just enjoy her, support her, two nights, come back, 12 hours in the car. I tuned in and I felt the scenario life of going with her and it felt like the energy that I felt was like cranky, was like me being cranky is what I felt. Probably because it means I would have to be in the car for so long and all that, right? And when I felt the energy of like being here and being still, I felt very at peace. And so even though I love my girlfriend, I still told her, hey, this is the hit I'm getting. I want to stay. And she respected that. And, you know, that maybe that's an example of what you were talking about in terms of the, you know, the hits or the difference that I was getting, you know? Like, because feeling that crankiness made me feel afraid to go. No, that's, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because it, it, it kind of combines it. That, I mean, you're per, I think that story perfectly illustrates the combination of feminine and masculine energy where you're feeling into your feminine to say, what does my, what does it feel like to go on this car ride? What does it right, feel like if I right. just stay home? And then right. marrying that then with, okay, I got to make the choice, the masculine energy of choice and saying, you know, even thinking, right. I, I can assume majority of people in a relationship, especially if it's an unhealthy one would be afraid to even say, there's that fear word again, would be afraid to, you know, speak that truth to their partner. And I mean, it sounds like you're in a healthy relationship where you're um, able to say, relationship. I love it. I love to yeah. hear that. I'll give you another example on the other end, because we're talking about listening to fear. I'm going to give you a personal example right now because it happened today of one where I am overcoming fear because right. overcoming fear is important too. Let's do it. Um, I, for whatever reason, whether it's how I brought up my past traumas, whatever my personal preference, um, I am very much into the kind of like Yeshua, Mary Magdalene, like um, devotee um, respect type of relating when it comes to um, a partnership. And for me, um, that has gone into physicality in that I um, have not felt very comfortable with my partner, let's say like dancing with another man or getting massaged by another man. Um, I feel fine with her getting massaged by another woman um, because I just view masculine and feminine energy different. Um, although I, I, I would probably feel uncomfortable with a woman that was extremely masculine because to me, it's more about the, the masculine energy rather than the body. Now, with that being said today, um, you know, my, my girlfriend has never, we both love getting massages. We get massages all the time from women. Like we'll have a woman come and like both give us massages. We're really into body work. Um, she's only like gotten, since I've been with her, she's really only gotten some like shoulder rubs and stuff from men, nothing like professional or anything. And today she asked me, and she's very aware of this is how I feel. And today she said, Hey, um, she's with her mom and her mom booked her a massage with her massage therapist who, um, is a male and, um, and asked me if I felt comfortable with it, knowing I would not feel comfortable with it, but also knowing that this is something that's important to her, this type of freedom, like we should work towards overcoming this rather than like, do I think that this is a, a reasonable fear? Probably not. This one, I think, especially if like she's fully clothed and she's getting massaged, it's probably 
this one is probably something about my past that I got overcome. Now, I don't know that for certain. I could actually be a being that prefers this and has a reason for it, but I'm not as experienced. So I'm just going to experiment. We'll see what happens. So I said, you know what? It does make me feel uncomfortable, but go for it. You can do it. And I will deal with my feelings and we'll see how this goes. And she's very supportive. She would have not done it if I said, I don't want you to do it. But the reason why she would have not done it is because she knows that I'm going to work towards our highest life, which for her means this. So today, it might even be happening right now. I don't know. It could be over. I don't even know. Um, That'd be kind of funny if it was. <laughs> right. No, I think I think it actually it probably yeah. is. And she's so 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 she's getting her first like going into a place, you know, kind of like a traditional massage therapist um, is going to give her a massage with her clothes on because it's a time massage, um, which I feel like is a great first step. Um, and for me, this is an example of overcoming fear rather than listening to a trigger because I know that intuitively how I'm, how I'm being and reacting from it is what I would call at least as high vibe as my being can be right now. So, you know, it's my reaction and response to it that is whether it's not, it's going to be high vibe or not. Um, even though I'm in this case, not listening to a fear, the fear saying, no, she shouldn't do that. It's not a good vibe. I have gone into that fear. I think it is probably relatively irrational and probably un unneeded. Um, so I'm getting over it. And so here's an example of that. In contrast that. to what I was speaking with before. Well, I appreciate you being so open and vulnerable about that experience. And is there is there some sort of process you would go through to assess whether or not a fear is rational or irrational for like in yeah, this example? Definitely. I think if there's like a really loud vocal talker who is like acting like a kid and throwing a tantrum. Or something like this mm. it's probably from the past because it's a kid mm -hmm. right if it's a voice that's like you know i j like here's another example in the same topic um i would feel uncomfortable with you know my partner like doing a really sexy dance with someone you know maybe dancing with someone contact improv whatever but like you know, getting physical and like exchanging energy, that would make me feel uncomfortable. And I feel like that is um, something that is subtle, but I can use my judgment to then go into it from an adult place. It's not like a kid being like, oh, no, no, what's happening? It's more like, I don't actually want to mix my own energy with another person without my consent. And if my partner's mixing her energy with another person in that way, then I am unconsensually mixing my energy also with another person. And that's not, I don't like that. That doesn't work for my system. It works for other people's system. You know, I've been in polyamorous relationships before. Um, I think that there's a great value in it. It's just not what I'm desiring right now. Um, so, you know, to answer your question through this example, I think it's like internally, is there like a little kid screaming who's responding? And is that justifiable? Or is it like a deep inner knowing being like, that makes sense. 
And I suppose that's something that you can only come into contact with by knowing yourself at a deeper level or by just having I more experiences. So. Yeah, I think it takes like a lot of healing and self-work. You know, I used to spend a lot of my life doing um, a lot of self-inner work and going to retreats and ceremonies and workshops and all these things. Um, about four years ago, maybe it was five years ago, whenever it was, I did a boga. And after I did a boga- What is um, that? Is that a medicine or is that a- I'm not yeah, sure it's probably the most intense. Um, oh, really? Uh, it's not a psychedelic. It's a, um, I mean, it has psychedelic properties, but it's a, um, oh, I can't think of the name. Whatever ayahuasca and peyote and San Pedro are, are in a different classification. DMT is in the same classification, but it's not, they're not psychedelics. They're, what do you call them? Empa, whatever it is. There's a word that I can't believe I'm forgetting because I know it very well. But whatever it is, it's in a different okay. class. No, a boga is really intense, like can't move your body for 24 hour, you know, you have to be lifted to go to the bathroom, tripping for days, crying, purging, pain. I mean, really, really intense stuff. It's really only me meant for, for the most part, it's meant for people who to get out of addiction. Okay. Um, Ibogaine is the other kind of way of, um, that people will take it. But yeah, after that, it was so intense um, that I stopped having desire really to like focus so much on inner self work and and I shifted my life to focus more on my dharma and that's when equanimous started to really go up mm. was when I shifted my you know intention to like really be the best person I can be and now I was like all right I've gotten to a good enough place here I'm pretty good let me go and do my dharma now you know dharma meaning like my purpose I love that I love that for so many reasons I mean cuz I feel like I'm probably somewhere, honestly, somewhere at roughly that same point in my life where I feel like I've done a lot of inner work and it seems like you, I, it's almost getting to a point of diminishing returns in this spot of overanalyzation of, yeah. okay, are you like, you're, you're not, it's not getting to the next spot. So right. how did you, how did you then make that switch into, I mean, I guess, was it just the experience or what I think kind of happened of for you to fear. focus on the Dharma? Yeah. So a combination of love and fear, one, a fear to not do my Dharma mm. definitely drove me. And another, when I did my Dharma, getting positive reinforcements, getting love, responding to that love, you know? So if you're starting to feel like, I might not need to do like you go to a workshop, which a year ago would have made you feel so cathartic. And now you're like, I didn't really get much out of it. Right. right. There'll be the next time you go to that work, the next time you say, huh, should I go to this workshop? little bit of a fear energy will come in. I might not get that much out of it, right? A little more than last time. And maybe, so then maybe you won't go. And maybe you'll end up doing something that instead during that time where you would have spent on yourself, you're now spending it on the outer or whatever it is, your, your journey. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And is it kind of just your transmutation towards that? Like, like realizing having this thought process of inner work or retreat or introspection. And then it's, and then you feel that energy of, I think eh. it's desire based, right? It's like desire, like, man, it's like, I don't want to do that. Like for me, like, do I really want to go to like a cacao ceremony and sit around, you know, 30 people and I gaze with them and like try to heal and like, talk authentically and like heal my inner, like, do I want to have this experience? 
my body's like, not really. Right. And I never really did, but there was more excitement to do it in the past because I was excited to grow and heal. But once there has already been healing and growth that is happening, I'm more excited to go to a cacao ceremony where after there's a dance and we can celebrate, that feels more alive for me at this point in my life. Before I was more maybe interested in the other things. So I think it just depends on like what our system needs in that moment. And we listen and we trust and we do. And if we make a mistake, we learn and that informs our system to make a better decision next time. And so then spinning this, I guess, into your Dharma, what first question would be is like, how, how do you define your Dharma? Is he easy quantumist just making music your Dharma? Well, you know, I can tell you about my Dharma. Equanimous is Dharma. I'm not fully certain about because equanimous is equanimous. An extension of you. you. It's not right. you. And so, but my Dharma, I do feel like is, is, um, I mean, I, it's kind of like my tagline, right? It's bringing party to the conscious, bringing um, the party to consciousness and consciousness to the party. Like I really am driven by joy and bliss and celebration. That is what lights me up. Like I, you know, some people love that. Some people like to like sit and talk and be really intellectual or read a good book. Some people like to, you know, gossip or some people like to um, watch a sad movie and cry and whatever it is. For me, what lights me up the most is actually light play. It doesn't need to be as dense and heavy and meaningful, honestly. Like those things are great. But what I've noticed what lights me up is happiness and celebration. And so how can we find that truly? Because, you know, pretending to be happy and doing that, that's a whole other thing. And so like, you know, what lights me up, I'll guess, is authentic joy and authentic happiness and authentic love and authentic bliss and authentic peace. And so that's what I let drive me. And I feel like my dharma is to support that, to amplify that. And I happen to be gifted in terms of playing music, as well as having a relatively logical mind in terms of the business side of things as well. So when I combine those two talents with my intention, desire, you know, purpose, that's where my dharma is then created. Mm. That's interesting. And so I guess at this time it's manifesting in this way with the, with the music, with Equanimous, with all that different stuff. Right. Right. And I think, I think it's, you know, there's certain levels to this, right? Like I think there are certain things along my way that I will, that I am learning in order to expand that. For example, I was having so much trouble getting a booking agent. I was like, why isn't anyone, why, why don't I have an agent? I have ton of listeners online. I've got great tour history. What's going on? And I talked with a, with my call, my college girlfriend who actually works at one of these big music industry label things. And she was like, she said this to me. She was like, Nate, first of all, you got to understand you are so privileged and your spiritual community is so freaking privileged that most people cannot even think about eating organic or not because they're dealing with everyday life things. And I was like, oh yeah. And I realized that I actually need, right after that happened, I got a booking agent. I need, and I was so certain I needed, and I guess I don't know for sure, but it feels like it. I needed that code. I needed the code of knowing how privileged I was in order to expand further or else I might not have been safe. Interesting. That's so fascinating. Yeah. And I think there's things like this with sounds too. It's like, like I just got this new um, 
like preset sample pack. It's not even sample pack. It's like a, a MIDI. Um, it's like a sound library almost. That is so freaking good. I mean, it is by far the best sounds I have ever come across. You have some, you have some pretty good close. sounds too. I do. And I have not released one song yet with these sounds. Oof. And I am so excited. Um, shout out to LS Dream for showing me. I was in the studio with him and he showed me. So I'm very grateful. And I know, I mean, I don't know for certain, I guess, because I don't necessarily tell the future perfectly, but it feels to me like when I start putting out music with these sounds, things are going to grow a lot and expand. And um, and I think it's because like I couldn't have done it with the sounds I was using before. They only had me capped out somewhere. So this is this is interesting because now I love that I love this because now we're starting to mix that music back in with like the spirituality sure. and the knowingness. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? Do you, do you feel like those these new sounds are more in alignment with the average person? Like, does it does it just feel I just think like they're more like new? better? They're real. They're more. They're like I can get you know like my like my best sounds that I'm getting right now are live organic recorded string quartet that I work with, with like the best MIDI piano sound I could find, which is based off of a real piano. So it's like just samples basically, you know, and then all the percussion and the electronic stuff is cool and, and great and everything, you know, and I've worked with a lot of other producers to get their sounds for that and all the stuff. But in terms of like the actual pure of the highest vibe sounds, it's probably like a combination of the string quartet and a piano. This new synth that I have, it has the string quartets pre-recorded into the strings and the woodwinds and everything pre-recorded with all these cool layers. And it's using some kind of an algorithm to, in my opinion, like highlight the organicness of the sound, which is making it sound even better than the recorded string section that I get. Okay. So it's almost more And I don't know how they do it. It feels more re it feels like more real than real it's almost like i don't know if you've ever done um five meo dmt before uh i mean i've done ayahuasca that'd be the closest ayahuasca, yeah. okay so it's much different but um so there's nn dmt and there's five there's a lot of different kinds of um you know things with dmt and ibuprofen whatever from the toad all these things but nn is your typical dmt when you pe see people smoking on pens just in general right mm. It comes from plants, all these things. 5-MeO is either extracted from a toad, in which case it's um, still has like NN in it, or there's something called synthetic 5-MeO, which is like what the doctors and all these people use for the near-death experience, all this stuff. Synthetic 5-MeO is synthetic, but it is the best freaking stuff that I have come in, you know, that I have encountered. I've only done it one time. I do not recommend it unless you're really in a place where, you know, you're ready to do something like this, um, and you're in a safe space with a safe guide. But it felt more pure and organic than the frog than doing the frog, which comes straight from the frog's back. Right. And to me, this synth is like a refined version of you know, the organic sounds that you would get of the woodwinds and all those things. Right. And you can adjust it too. you can, there's, there's, you can adjust it to get it to like, I can't say to a, I can say to a violin player, Hey, give me less, this, give me more reverb. Give me, right. 
but it's not going to be exact and it's going to be a pain. It's going to be so much energy and work. I could just do that right on the computer. You know? Mm, yeah. That's and so crazy. it almost feels like the world has kind of been waiting for me and technology to get this, these type of sounds, right? It's not even just these specific ones. It's these type of sounds that will then expand me. That's so beautiful. I mean, and it, it sounds like you're at a place in your life too, where you can recognize the events that occur that will then open up that new level, that new level of expansion, that new level of progress that you're transforming towards. Like for instance, you can look back on that instance with, or that conversation with your ex and be like, Oh, like I just needed to be re reminded or I needed to experience that exactly. I was in this privileged position in order to take this to the next level. Yeah. sounds I like think that's like almost like my guides looking out for me. You know, if there are guides that my guides were looking out for me in, in that way and be like, Hey, you got to, before you grow here, you got to know this one thing. It's going to be important for you. So then that's interesting because I know it, it is so cool. This goes back to like a, I have this whole gate theory where we can only hit a certain level in our life and then we run into a gate and there's something we have to do, whether it's in my opinion, it would, I figured this out when I had to set some boundaries with people. So it's either mm -hmm. setting boundaries, it's hearing a certain thing, shifting your perspective, and then it opens up this gate and you almost totally. like flood, you just flow into the next section so smoothly and seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And then you run into the next gate. And then that's where you have yeah. these little like epiphanies that need to pop up that you're able to then get to that next level or even that just exponential increase in whatever it is that you're doing. Totally. It's, it's just becoming aligned and in harmony. So then what do you, if so, how, so then I guess maybe how would you view this in a situation of like, mm -hmm. if for some reason, not everything is going right, you know, you're, you're trying yeah. to, I would listen, be like, okay, things aren't going right for me. Listen to what like, though? What would you listen to? Like, um, my set, like, I guess I would meditate. I would like listen to my body and my system and I would just be with my body and my system and align internally. And then from that place of alignment, allow the energy of love and alignment to create whatever thought is going to push me in the direction to be more aligned. Mm. It's like I align with my body to be alignment, then I vibrate as alignment, and then the thought is created from that vibration that then I'm able to take and continue the alignment. So then is that kind of the process, or is, is this a new process, or is this kind of the process you had when you were in that booking agent situation and like kind of hitting the wall? And then like what was there something that happened that you were yeah. like, I should reach out to this girl? <laughs> yeah, I wanted a booking agent, and I was like, maybe she can help. Mm. so but that just feels like me following my desires and following the breadcrumbs okay so yeah i was like following that breadcrumb and she did help she didn't necessarily get me the agent but she told me the thing that i needed to know before i got the agent so here's then where i guess i'm curious is was there a wall that you felt like you were brushing up against before you got those new synth this new synthesizer and then you made yeah. some sort of like mental yeah. pivot and then it opened this up um, well, you know what? I didn't, I guess I don't experience it as a wall. I experience it as like, uh, as kind of like, uh, like if I'm like walking along, right. 
when I hear wall, I'm thinking like it's pure stoppage, but it's not pure stoppage. It's more just like, it feels more like I'm walking and then the path kind of turns. Mm. And if I don't turn with it, then I'll be running into the wall. Mm. But as long as I turn with it, I'm good. Mm. And so, okay. So it's like the, it's almost like if you're going north and the path goes, you know, 45 degrees northeast then you're kind of just brushing up against it and you're not right. in the flow. And if you're walking straight, you're going to hit the wall. If you're walking straight and the path turns, you're going to hit that wall. And that's when you'll know, oh, a wall, I got to keep going. Right. I'll have to think of a better analogy for that. But right. <laughs> but there's also, see, there's also situations where you're walking and you see the wall, but you don't hit it. And you're like, oh, I see a wall over there. I'm just going to go around. Right. You know, so I think it just depends on, if you're not aware, you'll probably bump right into the but if you're aware of yourself and you're mindful, you'll see it in advance and you'll be able to, you know, most likely keep moving. Well, so then, okay. So I want to get this back then to your synthesizer because it seemed like you yeah. thought of something like, was there like a mental shift that you made in your life or with regards to music that opened up this synthesizer coming into your life? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I listened to a lot of classical, like neoclassical stuff, like Olaf Arnold's, um cigarettes you can even argue like things like this and um both yonsi and olafur arnolds are, are big inspirations for me and olafur arnolds made a um a synth piano where he um i mean there's a long story to this so i'm not going to get into it but basically he created a piano on the computer that mimics a certain kind of piano in real life that has a special kind of sequencer that takes into the fact into its algorithm instead of a certain specific type of pattern it takes into like nature's patterns into it how it's more random and stuff and so i was like oh i gotta get the synth it's gonna be dope i did get it it's not the one that i'm talking about it's a different one but i'm still stoked to even experience explore with that but that kind of opened up a world of like okay we're in a day of technology now where there are lots of sounds i've always been kind of overwhelmed with sounds so that's why I'm, one of the reasons why i've gone mainly like you know with lots of kalimbas and bells and things like this that are just kalimbas and bells you know they're not synths necessarily um some are um but then i realized like oh my god there's some really beautiful sounds and i was in the studio with ls dream and he showed me this plugin and I was like, wow, this is mind blowing. And um, I expressed to him how stoked I was. I don't think he actually realized, realized <laughs> how stoked I am about it. But next time I see him in person, he'll know. He'll make a song. He'll make a song. You're like, dude, this is how stoked I am. About well, we used it in a song together. Okay. That we're working on. Gotcha. So then. So that's where you even just got it started. That's where the whole process even started itself. Right. And that all came from honestly um like following the feelings i wasn't even supposed to have a studio session with him um but different things of me just following what felt right and intuitive led me to changing a flight led me to reaching out to him seeing if he wanted to get in the studio he was game you know just tuning in with being aligned i love that dude i've even noticed that I've noticed that with my podcast because somebody who, as of right now, he'll be like two after you. So I haven't recorded yet. Mm -hmm. but he was like, Oh, like, you know, I told him about the person 
who I saw on his, I saw him on someone else's story and was like, Oh, I should reach out to this guy. He's like, yeah, how do you know those people? And it took me a second. And I realized that it was like, it was probably like four people that I had interviewed to get to that person to then interview this guy. And it's like this crazy, like he doesn't know any of them, but to me, it's like this, like a lineage of, well, if I never talked to this person, never talked to that person, it would have never gotten all the way to this person. Yeah. It's beautiful when a story like that works out. All right. So I'm curious about the music then. Do you kind of do the same process whenever you're making music? Like part of me feels like it might be a little overwhelming if you're feeling into every single note, but do you kind of just feel no, into no, no. The- no, I'm way more in my feminine when I'm making music. Okay. I mean, I, I set up a space, my masculine sets up a space for my feminine to play and I play and it's just, there's no thinking it's just playing do you just go and record and then whatever sounds right is it is there any of that or yeah pretty much i mean that's that's one reason why it's important for me to have good sounds because you know it'll help me play better and so that's my masculine job to like get me these good sounds and i hadn't been doing that as much Mm. i've just been playing i don't have to play music so much i kind of have been resorting to the same sounds and playing lots of piano and not really branching out as much as I could. I mean, I think people would think I've branched out a lot, but the reason for that is because of all my collaborations. In terms of my like own personal music, if you just take the songs that like just Equanimous has done without any collaborators, there's a main theme in there between most of them. Okay. Do you find that that collaboration helps you? I mean, it sounds like it helps you find the synthesizer, but do you find yeah. that it helps you actually whenever you're working on your own music? I mean, yeah, I learned from it for sure. Um, see people's tricks and techniques. Um, yeah, definitely. That's wild. That's pretty cool, man. So how? So if we're to, let's take a quick shift back to like the spirituality sure. realm. Yeah, yeah. With all this craziness that we got going on in spirituality, <laughs> it seems like UFOs are like the hot topic nowadays. Oh, so cool! I love that. Where are you that at? Just- where are you at with all the aliens and UFOs? I'm just curious to see what's next. You know, we we got people, top government officials coming on mainstream media saying, hey, these guys are in the sky every single day, thousands of them, you know, and that's public information right now. And no one's, no one's saying it's crazy. It's accepted. So um, that's cool. You know, not everyone knows that, but it's been on mainstream media, 60 minutes, you know, not just Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's been on multiple New York times as opposed to, you know, so, um, yeah, it's cool. I'm curious to see what's up with it. If we ever find out, they might just be chilling there. I don't know. Just chilling. What do you think? What's your, what's your thought? I've got quite a few about, yeah, I think they're mostly protecting us. It seems to me that most of them appear above like nuclear facilities and, you know, from the from the what are they called uh like all the people that come out and talk about it they're usually disabling nukes so it seems to be it seems to me there's no reason to fear them i i think i would assume i don't think at all yeah i don't think if the the reason why i don't think we should fear them is because if they want us dead we'd be dead or if they want us in pain they'll just do that like they have way more power than us i don't think we should fear them i think we should respect them yeah no, I'm all on board with that. And I think the only thing that I could see of 
fear in the future would be like our government trying to form some sort of full like world government based on uh the right. aliens are attacked like some sort of false flag no black but flag i think operation. i you know i think most likely whoever's the closest point of contact and to these beings or whatever i would assume that they're also aware that no matter how powerful they are, they're probably not as powerful as these beings. But do you think do you think the government could would? I mean, I guess they probably would, but yeah. do you think that they would? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They definitely could and they definitely would, but do you think that they in a hypothetical reality would stage a fake alien invasion just to scare people into, you know, I don't even know, some sort of like uniting against like a foreign invader kind of thing? seems like a lot of effort maybe i don't think that's what's happening but in an alternate universe would they have done that they could yeah i just don't that's like i i don't i don't know what's happening and i don't think that that's happening yeah no i guess i didn't i i i suppose that it's not happening right now but it would just be like a one day wake up type of type of thing that they could try to persuade people towards i don't know i don't it doesn't feel like a good use of their time yeah <laughs> i don't i don't you know oh, they do like, a lot of things feels, they do a yeah. lot of things that doesn't feel like a good use of their time <laughs> right but a lot of what they do you know is to make money and or they i mean to support people to make money <laughs> well because that's another and if we if we shift it back a little bit because i don't we might have yeah. touched on it and then jumped off of it because i have been thinking about this a lot right how much do I energetically or mentally put into listening to the news? Cause I'm, I'm very, I guess I'm generically aware. I couldn't tell you, yeah. you know, all I mean, I think, do you do it? Do you do it for joy or do you do it for learning or both? Well, I avoid it because I don't want to be subjected to what I would say is the mode of operation that pretty much all news runs on, which is like fear, shame, guilt, like I just right. don't want to be subjected to that energy, so that's why I tend to stay away yep, from it. Heard, heard. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess for me, I, again, I just I have a very strong sense of self and human life experience that energetically, this stuff feels very light. Even though there's like a lot of like passion and anger behind it, you know, I'm able to like remove myself from it pretty clearly, and I think that's one reason why I enjoy. It. I mean, I watch like, you know, I'll watch. Like, and when I say I watch, I don't do this religiously, but like I will in back to back, check out a Jimmy Kimmel video and then a Tucker Carlson video. Not that I enjoy, I mean, there's, you know, I actually like Jimmy Kimmel as a person, but some of his agenda doesn't, I don't fully necessarily agree with that. On the other hand, really not a fan of Tucker Carlson as a person. Sorry, Tucker, if you're listening, <laughs> you just use his anger and and hate negativity way too much but some of the content that he has to share i do find interesting and i think that you know it gives a voice to some people that wouldn't get a voice on let's say fallon or kimmel you know and so like i like to listen to all different people um just to know what people are listening to it makes me feel more connected to the world honestly that's an interesting way to put it because this was something that I was also kind of thinking about whenever I was deconstructing this idea of why don't I watch the news, right? And mm -hmm. if there is, if I 
do have this such heightened sense of awareness that I believe myself to have, I should be able to discern myself away from the shame, the guilt, the fear, the anger that these news stations are putting out. I bet you do watch the news. I think you just probably don't watch, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet you just don't watch like MSNBC, CNN, like what you would associate with a, like a more traditional news station. But I bet you scroll on your Instagram or Facebook feed and you click on things that are interesting to you that seem newsworthy. Sure. And I bet you watch YouTube videos every now and then of things happening in current events. Yeah. And I, to me, that's the news. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I typically try to not subs- like follow or subscribe to people who that is their main agenda. But I mean, to your point, people who the news is their main agenda. Yeah, like like Tucker Carlson. Okay. Or, like I wouldn't right. like just actively follow those watch. people. Yeah, I don't follow him either, but I would watch a Tucker Carlson video just if it popped informed. up. Yeah, or I what I like to do is like I have I guess on YouTube, I do it a lot on YouTube. I'll have like I'll tell you my process of watching the news. Okay. Here's this is literally my process of watching. Let's do it. I would say on average, probably once a day, okay, I go to YouTube. I'm fall. I have one YouTube account that's different than other accounts that specifically only follows like news people. So like Fox, uh, you know, CBS, that's NBC, smart. Ru- that's smart, right? Russell Brand. But then I go also Russell Brand, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. I try to hit the alternatives too, Sky News, whatever. And what I'll do is, and, and then some random people that I'll just like, you know, like. I don't know. I try to I try to hit all the key players, Ben Shapiro, whatever, both Republican, Democratic, and Independent. And I give myself, because I don't want to get consumed in it, I give myself three homepage clicks. So I go to the homepage once, eight videos show up. Out of the eight, maybe I'll choose two or three that I want to watch. I'll refresh, click the homepage again, another eight videos, I'll pick another two or three, I'll do it one more time and refresh, and I'll get between five to 10 videos that are each between three minutes and 20 minutes. And I'll watch them. And that's my news intake besides my feed and all that stuff and like the normal social media stuff. But as far as outside of that, like that's my basic news take. And between those things, I look, you know, you know, five to 10 videos a day on, on pop culture, you know, and the news and what's happening around us, I do feel like is very informative. And, and it's a, it's a way that I feel like I can get all the different things that I form my own opinion based on. I think that's so powerful what you kind of just laid out there, even if people aren't using that for news specifically, but just having that separate source, right? Because they track every single click we have. And to me, it's like, I'll avoid clicking on things because I don't want the algorithm to pick up that I watch that because I don't want to be consumed by that. So I, I right. think that's honestly a really, a really wise thing to have multiple accounts for, even if you have right. various. One really things. easy way to a little hack is, is, um, Put one on Chrome and one on Safari. Mm, even that better. way, you don't have to log in and out. Hey, <laughs> it's like okay, Chrome or Safari, which one? <laughs> That's how I do. Ooh, it. and then on top of that, you could put a timer on if Safari. Let's say Safari has your news outlet, then you could put a timer on accessing Safari, so that way it kicks you off if you go the time based route. Right. Although I wouldn't do that because I would say that if I am consumed in news, I would say that's probably good. I think most people have trouble being 
you know, watching and informing themselves on the news. So if I'm genuinely interested in it, I will let myself go down mm. that rabbit hole because more oftentimes than not, I'm, I'm like wanting to focus on other things than the news. So if I'm actually genuinely interested and there's a genuine desire there, I'll let myself follow that. I'm really not a fan of like limits or setting alarms or things like this. It's just not, okay. it's not the kind of, you know, it's not the desire based Kabbalistic um, philosophy of the nature that I live by. No, and that makes sense because if you are attuned within yourself to your energy of when it, when you just know enough is enough and you have that masculine energy to then step in and just be like, okay, this is it. Then you can actually do that. So this is interesting then moving along down this process. If yeah. you are consuming all these different points of view, all this news, does it just not weigh on you energetically or does it, and you have a way of separating it? Oh, it can. Yeah. No, it definitely can. Um, there have been some issues that I, because of this, I felt very passionate about. I, in particular, recently, I have felt extremely passionate about not allowing biological males to play in women's sports. Mm. Um, I, I am for trans rights. I will call anyone by whatever pronoun they would like to go by. Um, I think it's fine if you want to be trans, be trans, as long as you're not harming anyone, you know, although there are some certain things with the hormone blockers and different things and the pharmaceutical companies really profiting off of the trans community and I'm driving all that that we could talk about that Crazy. I'm not going to get into right now. Yeah. But for this, I'll just say this one thing that I am passionate about is not allowing, um, if you're going to separate sports by male and female, I think that that should be not by woman or man, but that that should be by male and female. Um, I don't think a woman should be allowed to play in women's sporting events if they are a biological male because they have extreme advantages in terms of how their body is built. And it's dangerous for other women and it's disempowering to women. And so for me, that's more of like standing up and protecting women that, um, you know, in wrestling, a woman is, you know, more likely to get hurt or in, you know, uh, let's say like running, a woman may train their whole entire life. I mean, this is what Title IX was about. Women may train all their life to be the best and they might not make qualifiers because they're going up against a biological male that, that didn't work as hard. That's not fair, you know? So for me, it's about fairness and balance. Um, and with that being said, you know, I still think if you're a trans woman, you should be allowed to still play sports just like everybody else, but you got to do it with the biological males because that's yeah. You know, trans I, women is a biological man. I'm, I'm all on board with you. All that. I mean, you know, I'm all for just making people feel as comfortable as they want to feel. But even when it comes to sports, I think there's a conversation that we're glancing over that does need, it needs a lot more attention in regards right. to what you're saying. And it's changing now. Swimming just made it. Swimming just made it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so swimming, because of what happened with Leah Thomas and all the complaints, swimming now, um, biological, is based on bio biology. Um, and so this is something, though, that like I probably wouldn't have known very much about if I wasn't following the news. Sure. But because I was, it made me feel passionate about it. There's other things I feel passionate about, but that's one that I feel open to talk about publicly. 
Yeah, because I mean, even looking at it from, because I have, I trained jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu the last four years. Oh, cool. So even from like an MMA perspective, I am very aware of the lack of capability. And it's not, not the lack of capability, but just the muscular, the bone density, the right. you know, reaction timing. And obviously it's a curve and there are some women who are more quick or stronger than some men. But whenever you're training for years and years, I think this happened at UF. I don't know if it was UFC, but there was some MMA yeah. fighter who it was a biological male who transitioned to female and she was fighting other females and she broke like several people's skulls. Like by right. No, I remember this. It, and that's dangerous. Like that's right. fucking dangerous. It's, yeah. It's not the vibe. It's the same reason why you don't put, you know, a 250 person weight pound class boxing against a seven year old boy. You don't do that. No. It's ridiculous. Yeah. A seven-year-old boy has a different body than a 30-year-old man. <laughs> There's weight classes for just a like yeah. Right. Just like a 30-year-old man has a different body than a 30-year-old woman. Now, I'm not saying a 30-year-old woman is the same as a seven-year-old boy, but the point is that they're both much different than a 30-year-old man in general. In general. In general. Yeah. In general. Dude, it's it's just it's a crazy, it's a crazy time we're living in. I it's a, it's it's just such a fascinating it's a fascinating concept right the the idea of where we're at in society and this is even something i've tried to look at from a spirituality and a consciousness point of view of because mm -hmm. i don't know do you live in the realm of like reincarnation have you ever read any works by michael newton or dolores cannon you know i don't know my viewpoint on that and okay. the reason i don't know my viewpoint on that is because i don't know if it will ever be provable within my lifetime until i die and so for me, it seems like a waste of time to even think about. That. Well, do you, where do you step stand on like deep trance hypnosis and being able to access like the subconscious mind from that state of view? I think it's a cool tool. Well, okay. Well, we'll just sidestep because it sounds like it's not something yeah. that's privy. I know it's a cool, it's, it sounds cool. It sounds like a good, it's to me, it's like using a hammer to nail something in instead of using so your fist or a piece of wood that you find it's like right it will help you so i think it's great and that will help you but i don't see the connection between hypnosis of what you're talking about and reincarnation those feel like two different things so uh dolores cannon and michael newton they're like the two people in like the industry who would know about this uh the the right. best book i would recommend if you want to check this out it's called journey of souls i think that's the best one to start off with and the idea is, is that they've used deep trance hypnosis to, or like past life regression hypnosis, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they've regressed people to actually remembering a past life right. where they die. So I think, I actually do think that that can be real, but because it's, it's, you can't scientifically prove that unless you have data. Like the only way for me where that's of interest is if you can go back and you can be like on a door, like on this door, there's this thing and you can prove it. Dude, they've had that though. Yeah, and I know that. And that's where it interests me. In fact, I'm very interested in the MK Ultra thing. You know, I don't know if you've seen, of course, Men Who Stare at Goats. I'm assuming yeah, you've seen that. Yeah, love that movie. And then the new one though, which was fantastic. Um, what was it called? Uh, they just put it out. It's all free online. Um, it's it's the actual documentary of the MK Ultra experiments. Okay. And they talk about all this stuff and it is fascinating stuff check i mean it out. really amazing what these cia and government officials and individuals have basically said that they were able to do
in that's with like uh basically like psychic abilities yeah where they were able to do remote viewing and, and draw pictures of things mm. that were far away um to really cool stuff yeah and i and i hope to i hope and intend to be more involved in that type of activity well because they as well as my life goes on right so the other there's two more pieces of evidence that i see with it yeah though the one is that you know, like Michael Newton and Dolores Cannon, they've regressed thousands of people who have never met each other. And they all have a very similar recollection of like what occurs in the afterlife. They, you know, the way the process that it essentially occurs, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But the one, if we want to transition it to a physical world thing is kids between the ages of like three and six, there is tons of well-documented instances where they've gone back and solved like murders from past lives where they're like, I know it was in this town. It was this person. They did it with this. And the, here's my body. Like, and they even found like the body. Right. Right. Those things are fucking. That stuff out. is super cool. Super fast. It's wild. Yeah. 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 Right. So, well, I guess there's another level. I was going to tie this back into the transgender, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure how you're going to tie this in, well, to the trans thing. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll put some whatever, I'll, whatever you want. I'll put some presuppositions yeah. in there so that okay. because based on so based on these works, the presuppositions are is that they have found that we basically chose this life. We chose the experience. We chose the troubles that we were going to have. They we chose like the people who we were going to come into contact with. So for instance, like those, you know, whether it's a girlfriend, whether it's someone who just like has this awakening within you, there's like soul contracts where you help each other along your way. But so where it gets interesting, and this is where it kind of ties back into the transgender mm -hmm. community is if we chose, you know, this is the hypothesis is that if we chose the life, we were going to come into the body, we were going to choose then how does it arise that there are transgender people? And I want to be very clear that I do believe them when they, they probably say, chose to be trans. Well, that's what's interesting, right? Is because the terminology is, is that I was born in the wrong body, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they chose if, according to your theory here, if people are choosing this then clearly, very obviously they chose to be a trans person in the wrong body. That's what they wanted. According to yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you're choosing. No, I, I mean, right? I'm just, I don't know where I sit on any of that. I just, I find it as a very interesting, you know, thing that exists. I mean, that's got to be what it is, right? It's like, sure. You, clearly, the the 99 of people are even more, probably close to 100, are choosing a body that they feel at least one thing could be improved, right? Sure. So there's a spectrum of how much improvement one desires on their body, right? For sure. You can say that easily with like the, uh, what are they called? Like if you do like plastic surgery or if you have- Right, exactly. Yeah. So being trans would just be on one end of the spectrum where they're not as comfortable with it's interesting. the body that they chose. I find it really interesting. Yeah, I don't know where I sit yeah. on that, so. <laughs> to, me, to me, because that's not provable, um, there's only so much time, to my knowledge, that we have in this life that it's fun to think about these things if it's bringing you joy, but just to make sure not to get caught up on it because you might never know. For sure. Well, we might know at the end of, whenever the clock hits zero, we might know then, you know, <laughs> we might, <laughs> when we return. We might know then.
you might. So if you want to, if you want to put a lot of that energy into that moment, delayed gratification, go for it. Well, I think in, but I think, I think what the main goal is, right, is to figure out how we're able to utilize that information in this current time space reality of being human in this three-dimensional field to actually use that to our benefit, whether it's to feel more joy or peace or enlightenment. Right. I hear that from, that's why I'm saying like for you, your system obviously is interested. So follow that. It's a desire of yours. For me, I think it's super cool and I'm interested by it, but I wouldn't put a lot of energy or thought into it because I don't have the desire to do that. But I'm still going to encourage you to put in whatever desire you have to your own desire. Right. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I get that. I get that a lot. And it's definitely something that has come with me throughout a lot in life, which is the idea of death in general. Uh, I have a lot Mm. of, what are they called? Like flies. Like I could be in the middle of a desert and a fly will land on me. And I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? Like you're you're connected to the spirit of the flies in some way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, and I think, I think it resembles death. And whenever I went to Egypt, Anubis, who's the God of death and mummification, like he fucking just like, something we seeing him was like this, like resonant, you know, speaking of that, like resonant yeah. frequency. So, well, you know, if I were to make a quick judgment based on the limited, limited information you've told me about this in the last minute, um, it seems like your Dharma is spreading consciousness and running a consciousness podcast. So I would imagine that you would need to have some kind of a full spectrum understanding and basis of life and death in order to um, properly live out your dharma. So to me, that sounds like how I would interpret that is like your dharma being like, yeah, you got to like know about some of this shit here in order to get to the next level, like we were talking about before right? or whatever. I don't know. Maybe not. That's just what, that's just my, that's like my instant feedback oh, it resonates with me i'll take it i'll roll with it <laughs> cool there's a meditation and on. i think it's cool yeah i think that's really cool honestly that you're so in tune um and that you're aware of like what comes into your space most people are you know the most the standard american person living the standard american diet is not ever aware in their whole entire life that they are something beyond their mind right unfortunately and i mean you're touching on exactly what i have been hoping to illuminate or show people the listeners of this podcast the listeners of my instagram of tiktok is that is that energy of trying to see that there's more than just this right there's more than just this physical reality of existence and so yeah i'm on that path i don't know how it's truly going to manifest yet but (laughs) the i think just keep following it and it will unfold just keep walking right yeah well nate dude i really appreciate having you man i I love, I would love to give you the stage. If you want to encourage people for anything, you want to promote any of your stuff, any link that you've sent me, I'm going to drop it down in the show notes below. So feel free to reference that incredible conversation, man. But yeah, great, great talk. It felt like it went by. I mean, this is the longest podcast I think I've ever done. Hell yeah, dude. I've done like a two hours one, but this is, yeah, this is, this is up there. And I very seamless conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah. To all those people listening out there. Uh, you know, you can listen to my music, Equanimous. Um, follow me on Instagram at Equanimous Love. Uh, you know, follow me whatever social media platform you like to. You can follow me on. Um, 
And yeah, I would just say, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time to um, move forward in the spreading and expansion of consciousness and love. And may your journey be blessed and delightful and healing and peaceful and cathartic and um, full of bliss and joy and appreciation and gratitude and love. Just push that all into one human body. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it, dude. Well, thank you so much, man. I'll drop your stuff below guys. I'll even throw in the playlist that I have so that you can see a little bit more of his stuff. My preferences, I guess my Clayton's favorites. Um, I love that (laughs) dude. Nate Aquanimous. Thank you so much, dude. Incredible conversation. feel like we could talk for hours. Um, and we'll bring you back on. Maybe once you're done sampling that pack, we'll we'll bring you back right. on and see what's happening. Right after my album's done, I'll come back on. And see <laughs> after your album, after to promote it, dude. Of course, I'd, right. I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Uh, that sounds good. And I'll do a little bit more diving into you know the news, and I'll see how I can get that energy figured out. <laughs> Whatever feels right to you, brother. <laughs> Amen to that. I'll leave it on that note. And as always, conscious monkeys, you guys can check out the show notes below. Thank you for listening. And as always, I will see you guys in the sixth dimension. Peace.